When Matthew Perna followed his conscience and his curiosity into the U.S. Capitol on January 6, he had no idea what it would cost him. Like millions of Americans, he had doubts about the outcome of the 2020 election and went to Washington, D.C. to protest, exercising his First Amendment rights the way Americans have done since this country was founded. He was not an insurrectionist and had no plans to overthrow the government. In fact, Matthew Perna was a Bernie Sanders fan until Trump came along and donated twice to Sanders' presidential campaign. So how did a young man, then 36, who was known for his gentle nature and had never been in trouble in his life, get on the wrong side of the Justice Department, facing prison for actions that at any other time in U.S. history would have been treated as civil disobedience? The last thing Matthew Perna expected after turning himself in for nonviolent offenses and pleading guilty was for the government to try to add years behind bars at the 11th hour. But that's exactly what prosecutors were planning. Only they never got the chance. Matt called me on the phone that Monday after he got done speaking to his attorney and he was sobbing and he was stuttering uncontrollably. Like I had never heard Matt speak this way before. And I said, Matt, don't worry. I'm crying on the phone with him. Don't worry. God is not going to let you fail. Jerry Perna was a constant in her nephew Matthew's life. Growing up in a tight-knit Italian family, she said they were always close. And she stayed close to him in the turmoil of his life after January 6th. The last word I said to him was, I love you. And he said, I love you too, Aunt Jerry. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you lost all your friends because of me. Matthew Perna's fate was sealed the moment his face appeared on this FBI wanted poster, his aunt said. Suspect number 73 stood out in his red Trump sweatshirt as cameras recorded him inside the Capitol. Roughly 14 minutes that cost him his business, his reputation and the woman he planned to marry. It also shattered the sanctity of home where he was shunned and shamed by people he knew and others he'd never met. Jerry said he felt like the walls of Sharpsville, this small town of iron and steel that over the past century had forged four generations of their family in western Pennsylvania, were closing in. Then came the call that changed everything. And I just stepped my foot in the tub and my phone rang and it was one of my brothers. And said, so Jerry, you need to get a plane ticket and come home. Matt just hanged himself in his garage. Jerry Perna was a thousand miles away at home in Florida on that icy Friday night in late February 2022 when her nephew put a rope around his neck and took his last breath. She said he had been at the mercy of the U.S. justice system for over 13 months. He was pushed to the point where he didn't feel life was worth living anymore. They robbed him of his spirit. They robbed him of his hope, his will to live. They took his fight away from him. They broke him. They completely broke him, and they broke his heart. And they knew what they were doing. Yes. Or at least that was how it felt. Stressful moments in Matthew's case would collide with stressful events in his life, Jerry said. Like the hearing the DOJ scheduled for the anniversary of his mother Ronnie's death. As... 
Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I didn't actually plan on playing as much as that as, as I did there in, in the opening. I just got to be honest, dude, I, that, that clip is pretty emotional. And right before I, I listened to it beforehand, and it's not even necessarily related in a large sense to what we're going to talk about today. And you're going to see why it does relate in the way that I'm starting today. But I, that, that, that kind of got to me right there, right in the beginning. Just imagining the point is, if you watch that, and again, the shout out to Laura Logan and Truth and Media and Ben Swan and everything they're doing. That's a first of a series that's going to be coming out, and it is really important, in my opinion. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about what's been done around January 6th and how that's been used to weaponize, I mean, just everything against the American people. But that, that right there, that, that, that could have been my brother, my, somebody who is an, an amazing person who cares about people. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to get choked up about it if I even talk about it, but the point is, that is anybody that is the average American that just followed people inside this building that didn't know what was going on and ultimately got used by the government. And it is a, an analogy for everything that happens or just a, an example of the way that we are meaningless to these people and how we're used. And, you know, I'm not going to say that. I mean, we all you could see examples of people that broke the law on that day. We can see obviously how that was used, how people were lied about. But the point is, a lot of people were just present exercising their constitutional rights and were in many cases let into the building and that's how at least in one case it ended up and it's a hard story to watch but a big shout out to them in general make sure you check out the work truth and media ben swan sovereign good stuff from this group in general and plenty more coming and you know from those platforms and more from laura logan in general as well but here is the post matthew perna was a bernie sanders fan until trump came along then he was treated as a terrorist Find out. And and what the sad part is, is plenty of people that watch that are going to think, good, he was a criminal. Good, he was a a terrorist. He was a a MAGA white supremacist or whatever the nonsense is that they put together. And if the truth is, you know, watch the whole thing. Doesn't even begin to get into the the, the bigger. This is a person that was used, like many other examples that we could talk about. Like people, I mean, you could go back in in every example of the large event in in history, the anthrax stories and Fort Detrick or, you know, people involved with 9-11 or, I mean, any major event. And you will find a patsy, a person who was used, who was put forward to represent what they wanted you to fear or wanted you to attack. It's everywhere. So I wanted to start with that for two reasons, because one, I wanted to make sure we did mention what's going on with Owen Schroyer, but also just that this is what it, this is the mindset the government has when it comes to you as an individual. They swear up and down that it's about keeping you safe and protecting you from all the threats of the world, even though it's not possible. And even though they regularly fall short, which is a very kind word to give people that don't even try, in my opinion, to keep you safe. But that as we get into the COVID-19 vaccine conversation and all the rest of it to realize that we are being played, especially with the end today, which is going to be a focus, a great clip by by Chris Martinson in regard to uh, in regard. I mean, uh, excuse me. I just I think I just conflated their names. Um, uh, I always do this. I apologize because I respect them both. There's Martinson and then there's uh, that frustrates me. That video got me all over the place. But the point is that that. Martin is his name. I'm blanking. I mean, David Martin. There it is. Thank you. Thank you for nobody. Let me know in the chat. I'm just kidding for myself. Remembering David Martin has a great video that we're going to get to at the end 
about the WHO and a really powerful overview, in my opinion, one of the best kind of compilations of information that you can see that really highlights what the WHO and what this criminal organization and all the way, or not just the WHO in general, but what has been instituted under the guise of the COVID-19 illusion that's been being built for a long time. And it all comes together and how we're being played into that direction. Now, before we get there, as I did say, since this is about January 6th and how this is being used against us, I did want to make sure that we mentioned this. Now, the reality of this story in general is this is politicized. Doesn't matter what you think about Owen Schroyer or what you think about Infowars or any of that. It obviously matters. You, I've made my opinions very clear about these platforms and the people they work with and what they, you know, th- that that's irrelevant at the end of the day. When it comes to somebody who, yet yeah, as we'll show you very quickly in this article, did not enter the, or did not, you know, as I, I, actually I believe he didn't enter the Capitol, but did not break any laws ultimately and didn't was uh, somebody who is being. The main point is just like we pointed out in the beginning. Somebody who's being used, raised up as kind of the big evil bad guy. Of course, it's easy because Alex Jones is the other big evil bad guy or the way they frame that, right? And so this is somebody, in my opinion, that is making a statement. Again, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't mean that I'm implying that I think what Owen is saying in, in cases or in any sense is necessarily the truth. But the point is that it doesn't matter. He has a right to say what he has a right to say. Free speech matters. And now this person is being put in in jail for 60 days. It's really interesting. Now, there's one part that I wanted to include that is different than what you're hearing on people on the right that might frame this as, you know, exactly the way that that works for the narrative for left-right paradigm kind of discussion. Now, there is some nuance to this, but hear me on this. No matter what, what's being done to him is politicized and it's wrong. He should not be in, in jail for at all for what happened there. It's only really about the fact that they say he was there and he was part of why this whole big insurrection happened. Like, I have to understand that that's not actually what went down that day. All of this stems back to the idea that it is an insurrection, an attack on our democracy. Therefore, even the most minute actions around it are treasonous. Like entering a building, even though you were let in, suddenly becomes a huge problem. And that's how this is being used. And realize, guys, there's even Republicans that are on the side of some of how this is going. But just to make this clear, it says Owen Schroyer is one of only a handful of January 6th participants charged with a crime despite neither entering the Capitol. But I mean, now again, I, I, I don't see any evidence that that's the case, but I've heard others say that that was well, not true. But you guys can decide for yourselves. Either way, it doesn't matter to me because plenty of people that went in that Capitol building were not even aware that they were breaking the law. That matters to me and it should matter to everybody. But the point was, despite neither entering the Capitol nor being accused of committing violence or destruction, which, again, that di- he did not do that on Capitol grounds. But it says prosecutors charged Schroyer because he had previously signed, and this is interesting. Now, again, this is what NBC News is reporting. I, 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 don't, I, I wasn't able to vindicate this, which I'm not sure how I would, in fact, because this is a personal thing that he signed agreement with uh, in regard to the Capitol in general because of a different char- charge from before. My point is that just because NBC says it doesn't make it true, but this is a part of the story that I don't see being brought up in the partisan sides of this. It says that he had previously signed a deferred prosecution agreement after interrupting a congressional hearing in 2019. So something before this. 2019, apparently, or Owen Schroyer, which again, you could even argue that was probably a trumped up charge in the first place anyway, interrupted something going on in Congress, you know, like plenty of media personalities do. And he agreed 
they claim, as part of that case, not to utter, quote, loud, threatening, or abusive language, or to engage in any disorderly or disruptive conduct at any place upon the United States Capitol grounds, which, by the way, is a pretty ridiculous thing. So because you are have yet to charge him, understand, that's a deferred agreement, that you're going to make him sign something that says, I give up my constitutional rights? I don't even know if that is legal, quite frankly. So that's crazy to me. I'm, I, I'm not loud or threatening, so you can't go out there and say positive things very loudly. My point is this seems like something that was designed to be able to charge him for anything. So I don't find that to be genu- genuine. It's very disingenuous to me. Either way, that being stated, the point is he had something he signed, then he went to the Capitol grounds and was involved with a huge disruptive thing in their minds. So my point is it's not necessarily the, the speech crimes that we keep hearing about from the right. As far as I can tell, it seems like they're using this, which is illegitimate to me, nonetheless, to argue he went there, did this, and was part of an insurrection or part of a riot. Therefore, he violated this agreement. Now, that being said, it doesn't seem that they even are charging him for that. So it's very confusing. So my point is, I bet you all of this either gets dropped in appeals or something like that, because I don't, I don't know how you can charge him with this. Overall, it, I hate how it gets sort of omitted or misrepresented in the paradigms. It's always the, the right or well, the left will say he's a terrorist. The right will say, you know, it's always how that goes. But it says, quote, Democrats are posing as communists, but we know what they really are. They're just tyrants. They're tyrants, Schreier said on a bullhorn as he led a crowd to the Capitol on January 6th. He said, quote, and so today on January 6th, we declare death to tyranny, death to tyrants. Now, right up to that last point, you, the point is when you say death to tyrants, of course, he has the right to say that. That's the step where they go, oh, he's calling for their murder, right? And it's easy for them to conflate that. But still, he has a right to free speech. I'm just explaining to you why it seems they're trying to make it look like something that it wasn't. Now, then it says, the government sought 120 days of incarceration, saying that while he did not step foot in the Capitol, many of those who listened to him did. Again, guys, that's that's alarming. You are now creating the, the argument that because people did something based on what they claim you said, you're now accountable for what their actions Again, this is a slippery slope, and I think it's designed to do this. During Tuesday's sentencing hearing, Schroeder told the court, I was not part of any larger plan for illegal activity or violence that day. Schroeder was sentenced by the judge who last week sent Proud Boys founder Enrique Tario, who was an FBI informant, but that is, I don't even understand how that makes sense, to prison for a record-setting 22 years. All of this, guys, is so wild. While you have people that are raping children that go to jail for months. And I'm, that's not a joke, by the way. We've shown you these overlaps. And that doesn't mean that they necessarily connect or at all. But how does that make sense to anybody? How can people go to jail for two years when, when Enrique wasn't even present? Like at all. He was in, apparently in a jail cell and somewhere else when this went down. And yet somehow ends up in jail. We, my point in all of this is to show you that this whole thing has lost itself. Or is exposing what it always was. The system is broken. There is no justice here, guys. We need to recognize how broken and how bastardized the system has become to where people in power and people with money can do anything or make anything happen if they truly want to. And we have to really understand that before we move forward. Now, starting with something in general, I'm going to get into the COVID-19 conversation. Now, keeping all of that in mind, though, you know, what happened to uh, what happened to Perna? What happened to this person that was there? What's happening to Schroyer? What's happened to all these people based on the idea that you are the boogeyman? 
We have to realize that, I mean, I I could have opened that clip with the CIA guy or the clips we played before that let you know that your life is one big theater show from the CIA, from the FBI, from the different ways the government tried to create what you should be feeling so it it goes in the direction of their agenda. Now, if you think that sounds ridiculous, you simply are not paying attention. This is exactly how they have shown what they're doing. It's the UK this, or the NHS deciding to scare you so you get the vaccines and you find that out after the fact. Or this exact clip where you have an individual who is, by the way, somebody is a, very, a prominent person followed by Mario Narval. Of course he is. Mark Van Rance. Science technology. Somebody who is speaking... And this is, a, this is a Chatham House discussion where he is speaking about how he used information to trick people into doing what they wanted them to do, going into the pandemic, or at the very least in pandemic context. And this is what's important, guys. This is probably something that they never thought would get in public view. This is what we see in these back behind the door, behind the scenes kind of conversations, many of which we never get to see. Things like Bilderberg or Davos, right? But this is what they talk about. Now, this is an important clip, as Inversionism points out. This is, oh, here, let me go back to this one so I don't lose that. This is exactly how they gaslight and manipulate people with fear and trauma-based mind control in any sense, in this case, to get the injections they want you to get. He says, please show this to anyone considering getting another booster. They have to know they're being manipulated intentionally. It's never about your health. It's all about manufacturing consent by manipulating perceptions of risk or need and creating an urgency that makes you ignore basic rational thought in favor of immediate safety and comfort. They do this over and over and over again, and people still don't see it, even when they explain it right to your face. Now, yes, there are people, maybe even some people in that room, that think they're doing this for a greater good. It does not change the reality that they're lying to you. Listen to this have one opportunity to do it right. I mean, day one is so important. Uh, in day one, you start your communication with the press, with the people, and, uh, and you have to do it right. I mean, you have to go for one voice, one message. And you can sh- it's showing up for the podcast, it's showing a newspaper that says, you know, day one of the pandemic. So what he's saying is you have to come out early and you set the narrative. We were just talking about that. Trump grabs the microphone and says, Wuhan flu, China did it. We didn't let us know. That's the setting the tone before anybody knows what's happening. Like we just talked about 9-11. The media within moments were saying, Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden. Osama. Well, how could they possibly know? Because the narrative was being set. That's how this works. Now, well, that doesn't have to mean that it's all false, you understand. But what it means is regardless of what the truth is, it's what they want you to think for their benefit. Sometimes that overlaps with the truth. You have to be omnipresent that first day or the first days so that you attract the media attention. And this is also what we keep seeing, right? Every single time you see these people, Fauci's, for example, this is in Germany. So he's the one that was circulating around and making all the statements. They're going to libraries and different rooms and all throughout the same day, making it look like you're everywhere and it's all important. It's, it's about exceeding this idea that he is out there working for you. Uh, you. You make an agreement with them that you will tell them all. And if they call, you will pick up the phone. When you do that, then... I'm actually here. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to... There's a bunch of things I want to say throughout this, but I think it's important that you see this all the way through, so I won't stop it again. But the point is right there, the media aspect, that they let the media know, we're going to get you all the information, just don't give us a hard time, right? Anybody that would buy that as a media... Per, it's, you're not media, right? You are part of the problem. 
the attention, uh, you, you make an agreement with them that you will tell them all and if they call, you will pick up the phone. When you do that, then you can profit from these early days to, uh, to get complete carpet coverage of the field and they're not going to search for alternative voices there and they're not going to search for alternative voices there. Uh, I used there Sir Donaldson's uh, quote where he said that in the UK, by the peak of the epidemic, 40 people would die uh, per day uh, at the end of the summer. Uh, so 62 at that time million people in UK, 40 deaths a day. I worked it out for Belgium. That would be seven deaths a day at the peak of the epidemic. I used that in the media. Seven Belgian flu uh, deaths per, uh, per day at the peak of the epidemic would be realistic. That is true in every year, even interpandemically. That, that, that is very, very conservative. However, talking about fatalities is important because when you say that, people say, wow, what do you mean? People die because of influenza? And that was a necessary step to, uh, to take. And then, of course, a couple of days later, you had the first uh, H1N1 death in the country. And the scene was set and it was already talked about. And the scene was set and it was already talked about. And then you had to pick uh, who is going to be vaccinated first. Huh? And then, well, women and children first, whatever. I mean, risk groups, they were important. And then I misused the, uh, the fact, and then I misused the, uh, the fact that the, uh, the top, top football soccer clubs in Belgium, um, inappropriately uh, and against all uh, agreements, vaccinated their, uh, they made their soccer players priority people. So I said, I can use that. Because if the, the population really believes that this, this vaccine is so desirable that even the soccer players would be dishonest to get their vaccine, uh, I, I said, okay, I can, I can play with that. So I made a big fuss about this. Can, I can play with that. So I made a big fuss about this. This is Van Ranst is, uh, is raving mad. Uh, <laughs> but, but it worked. But, but it worked. Man. I mean, and it goes from there. Right. I mean, this this is really interesting to think about. So this is not hyperbole. Right. This is reality. What he's telling you. Is everything we told you was happening throughout this whole process. Right. They, they lie about how like basically the first part of it. What do you see there where I stopped pausing it is that they're saying we you know, we basically use statistics to lie to you. We take a number that is pretty benign or rather just that it's average. It happens every year and we just give it to you out of context and you go oh my god seven every thousand oh my god we're seven every hundred thousand and so people are dying and they and like he said yep and they they use it against you it's very simple or how about the idea that we're talking about h1n1 which we later realized even the who and hhs pointed out was a pandemic of fear that is the who's own language again before it became the very completely overtaken group that it is today or at the very least that slipped through at that time we also the point about the sports teams this is so important how many times have we talked about this? Remember all the times we talked about the lines where they're like, oh my God, the lines are so long. Get better get there before they run out. That's what they're doing. So his point was they used the sports teams. They fa- the story was, whether real or not, understand, that the sports team broke the rules to get it for themselves first. So then he pretends to be angry about that. How dare they cut the line? But they wanted that. They used that to make you think, well, if they're getting it, then we should get it too. And it's a lie. He acts like he's angry about it. I mean, this is this is just basic surface level dishonesty that they all do. And again, whether you think it's about the greater good and he believes he's doing it for a better reason, it really doesn't matter. You're being deceived across the board. 
This is politics. It's different. It's no different in Russia, China, the United States, Israel, UK. They lie to you. The government tries to manipulate your life for their benefit. That's what is that's the reality of our world. It's time we try to change that. Not try to change who gets elected next time. Not try to train. I mean, you could try to change these things. It's sure it's up to you. But I mean, the main point of what we should try to change should not be incremental, small things that allow the power structure just to step sideways around it. Right. Like even the bigger concepts of, you know, multipolar and all the all this stuff. The bottom line is governments will still have control over your life. Now, I'm not saying I have an answer to that. I have plenty of plenty of thoughts. We could have a long conversation about it. But the first thing is always is accepting that we have a problem. Again, not the minute parts, but the larger reality that people of the world are no longer wanting to be ruled by governments. I know that's an extravagant idea that people can't even understand at this point in time, but wanted to put it out there. Now, the bottom line is, guys, this is the point about the pandemic. This is what they're doing. This is how they control your perception. And it's happening right now all over again. And here, if you want to follow his account, it's right there. It's in, this is very real. Now, Inversionism also points out another important clip. This one, you've already seen. We've played this before, but it's important to reiterate this. I don't, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but we'll play some of this right now. He says, with the recent approval from the FDA, approval slash EUA for children, for yet another COVID injection, you should watch this Project Veritas, James O'Keefe work from the last year with Christopher Cole, the FDA executive officer of Countermeasures Initiative. You know, military countermeasures. He says all the quiet parts out loud in regard to the EUA, the emergency use authorization process, use on children, testing on pregnant women, and how the FDA makes most of their money. And as a result, is a regulatory captured institution that cannot be trusted to protect people like it's supposed to. (gasps) Shocking. It's amazing how we can dismiss on the record statements from people that work there because, you know, left, right paradigm. (laughs) That's how silly we are sometimes. It's just another corrupt business in the mix taking their cut as if the expense at the expense of the rest of us. It's a great clip. And wants to inoculate as many people as possible. So you can have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet. So you don't want to, like, uh, rile everyone up. The drug companies, the food companies, the vaccine companies, so they pay us hundreds of millions of dollars a year to hire and keep the reviewers to approve their products. If they can get... Did you hear that? I mean, that, it's, that's the kind of thing that is so frustratingly like it, this gets dismissed by people because James O'Keefe, the guy is on the record without knowing he's on the record or rather on, on being recorded without knowing speaking about how they get paid by the people they're supposed to hold accountable. I mean, my God, this is the reality. And we all seem to know that. And we can't engage with it because of the two party paradigm or some people, I should say, can't because they're lost in their team sport politics yes every person required an annual vaccine that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their their company i mean just from everything i've heard they're not going to not approve this meet christopher cole an executive officer at the fda with over 20 years experience who claims to be directly involved in the approval process of the various COVID vaccines what you're about to witness raises some alarming concerns from the government's desire to mandate an annual vaccine for everyone, including young children, to the billions of dollars that exchange hands between our government and Big Pharma to railroad the approval process. I'm a manager for the... Like, by the way, on a quick side note, don't forget that we have this guy, like, I know there's some suspicious points around it, and I don't even necessarily say believe that I'm taking it all at face value, or that I don't necessarily think that. But that, that discussion with the one guy, the black guy, I forget his name now, who says they were making variants. 
And then it gets dismissed. Well, because doubt. <laughs> well, sure, we sh- if there's doubt, we should say maybe it's not true. But the fact that these kind of things just get set on a shelf somewhere <laughs> when they literally admit what we seem to be able to prove is happening, it's just so infuriating for those of us that are not just going off a video of one platform on a two-left-right right paradigm, but been in continually doing deep research on the studies, on the information, on the background patents, I mean, all those stuff. And you can say, yes, whether or not he's being honest, that that stuff is seemingly happening. It's just infuriating. The uh, Food and Drug Administration, my, uh, my agency oversees vaccines. Oh. Vaccine approvals. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet because they don't want to, like, uh, rile everyone up. Right. So they always knew it was going to be an annual shot, just in case you missed that. Like we told you that was the case right in the beginning. And then now it's that was fake news, fake news, fake news, now necessary. How, that's how the process seems to go. Is so, it going to be formally announced? Yeah, yeah, at some point. I mean, it's going to be, uh, uh, and some of it's been talked about publicly, but it has been talked about on like CNN or Fox or MSNBC or anything. Uh, what he means by that is they float the possibility in a very quiet corner where only people in the know are looking at, or you know, you could if you knew where it was, like an FDA meeting or whatever, where they go, well, we, we considered the possibility of an annual, you know, way, but I, I showed you Fauci saying that at the beginning. Still gets dismissed as fake news by the journalists out there who only follow along with what they're told, as journalists should, right? But yeah, it'll, 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 you'll have to get uh, an annual. I think um, what's going to happen is um, it's going to be a gradual thing. School's going to mandate it. Why do they need the third one? How, I mean, how is the FDA person able to know that beforehand, knowing that he's being paid by these people, and somehow because it's all interconnected? If he, this guy's literally sitting there telling you what later happens, take understand what that is. I mean, there's, there's not a secret. There's not some secret message behind this. This guy's in the know. He outlines what they're going to do, what they're going to take from you, what they're going to imply, because he knows what the government's going to decide. Or he, I mean, not from the FDA, but realize that most of these decisions aren't made by the FDA. They're simply going, yes, that's safe. Then the government makes these decisions. So how is he in the know about that? Think about that for a second. Well, the same reason um, that you or I would need the third one, because the, the vaccine, um, it wanes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, your ability to fight, it wanes. In fact, rally, let's not forget this point. I haven't said it most recently because there's so much else going on, but that's not the vaccine waning. That's such a stupid lie. Your immune system is wane, or collapsing is the right word to use. The antibodies are present, I mean, or whatever we pretend is happening. The, it, the, the response is taking place. The fact that it dwindles has nothing to do with a vaccine that was given to you in the beginning. That's just instructions for making this thing, which also hurts you, by the way, in a lot of different ways. That is your body failing. Understand that. For those out there that don't know, I mean, it's very, there's more evidence than anything I've seen in this topic that shows you that your immune system is being affected dramatically by taking these things. And every time you get a new one, it increases some spur, but then collapses even faster. And it's like this constant, you're like a drug addict is what it seems like. So the three will bolster your, your system. And then there'll be an annual, um, eventually an annual, just like the flu shot. For the toddlers? Well, for everyone. Okay, so the toddlers too. Then we'll have to get it. Probably. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's in the future. We're not sure. That might involve more uh, more studies. The FDA was scheduled to meet this week to discuss approval of the Pfizer vaccine. I think I'll leave it there, just so you guys you guys get the gist of it. It's a great it's a great clip. Fourteen minutes. The point is generally that 
right? They are aware of the corruption. They're simply rubber stamping this, just like you've been told by all the conspiracy theorists out there. And then one more point before we jump into the vaccine discussion, to start anyway, is on top of all of that, you think the White House doesn't know that? I'm not going to pretend that, you know, Biden, who can't spell his own name because I'm aware of that, or Trump, who doesn't understand or anything that seems to go on around him, are aware of that. But I think ultimately, overall, we have to realize that these are all interconnected. The FDA, the CDC, the WHO, and I mean, the, the overlap. I mean, he literally just admitted on video that they're paid by the very people they're supposed to be being critical of, right? That's at the very least a crazy conflict of interest that should invalidate whatever they're doing, but they don't want to talk about it. So all of that is very clear. On top of that, here's another an important ruling from the Fifth Circuit Court, which, by the way, we should already know, and it's not unique to Biden's administration, and it's not even unique to just COVID, as I said here. The Fifth Circuit Court found the White House, the FBI, and the CDC violated the First Amendment of millions. But this Fox clip misses that this has been happening a long time before COVID-19 land, and that this was more than just protecting the Biden administration. But of course, that's what happens when you only digest partisan media. But nonetheless, the ruling is important. Alert, a bombshell ruling by the Fifth Circuit Court. Finding the Biden White House and the FBI and the CDC violated the First Amendment rights of millions of Americans. As did the Trump administration, because the same thing was happening then, but we'll just casually leave that part out. By bullying tech companies into censoring free speech during the pandemic. According to that ruling, the White House, quote, coerced the platforms by way of intimidating messages and threats of adverse consequences. Now, that's, that's, that's important. That is the court's ruling, right? That's, I mean, that's not something to dismiss. I, that's actually pretty incredible to me that they, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, truly, I hate to be a pessimist here, but my argument would be that literally nothing happens. You get these rulings and then it just drifts into the background, which shows you that there's no enforcement. They, there may be some honest people in the judicial system, but there's no enforcement that follows. And that's that's the main point we see with the Clintons, with the, with any, every single one of them, left, right paradigm across the board. So in other words, the Biden administration forced social media companies to remove our posts that were critical of the Biden administration or made the Biden White House look bad. Or how about I mean, see, that's that, even he knows this. Or about COVID-19 information like that. The idea that they have to shoehorn or, you know, couch that on. It's just about Biden's it, reputation. I'm pretty sure Biden doesn't need help making himself look stupid. But yes, they did censor stuff like that, too. And that is proven. But on top of that, and Biden, and surprise, surprise, not because of some screenshots on Twitter. It was already proven. But it's also more importantly about true information about the dangers of these injections or foreign policy or all of it, guys. This ruling could have a major impact on the 2024 election if Democrats lose control of the narrative. The White House says, <laughs> I just I just I have I have all, I can't even take this seriously anymore. It's like a cartoon. It's like we're watching SpongeBob SquarePants try to report the news. I'm tired of the willful ignorance around the two party paradigm because they're Democrats and their narrative like the Republicans are not doing the same damn thing. Just, can we just get, grow up and get past it already? I'm tired of playing the game and pretending like it's in jet, like people. Anyway, you get the point. So let's talk about the, the injection itself. We just put this episode out on the 12th. The new XBB.1.5 you know, COVID injection has all the same issues as the previous dangerous shots with less data. Now, I mean that in a, in a, in a general sense from top to bottom. Now, I'm going to get into what, it, what they're arguing anyway is what they have done. But overall, even when they say they've looked at so many mice or whatever, the point is not about the a number of mice. It's such a silly argument. 
it is about the fact that this is what three times now removed from like they're still like I just showed you in this show inferring data from older shots that have nothing to do with what this is. I mean, we're not whether or not we're multiple variants away, if that's even what's happening. But in on top of that, there has been alterations. There has been, I mean, even between community, a thing that's never been given out, and the others, there's code and optimization. There is uh, what was the other one? The uh, there's, there's differences we proved on the show that, of course, it got dismissed when it happens, and now it's a big bombshell today. But ultimately, there's also the change of the protein, which we just showed you yesterday. It's also an n one methyl pseudouridine modified RNA, even though they're still lying about that today. It's mod RNA, which is dangerous on top of everything else. My point is less data than ever. Just because you want to pretend that you can do a quick little study on the small thing, the point is you're inferring most of what you say is data that even then was not correct or even then was limited from other shots that are so far removed from this. It's just, it's a lie. It's a blatant lie. And I really recommend you watch this show because this, in my opinion, was a general, a pretty solid overview of just the shot and the peripheral op topics around it. And I'm going to continue to follow up on that. But I wanted to quickly do a couple of extensions from this show right out of the gate on this. Somebody sent me this. I left off their name, but thank you for sending me this. I'll show you what the image they sent. It's really important based on what we were saying. And then I'm going to get into what I, what I heard and talked to from Walgreens today about the availability of this supposed shot. It says, Dear Ryan, I'm a longtime follower. I just wanted to share a piece of data. Not sure how noteworthy it is. I found it pretty noteworthy, but I found it strange and surprising. While looking through the Walgreens website, I, as I waited for a script to be filled, I was surprised to see the attached notice. And I'll show you next. They have suspended administering any COVID shots until the new one is released. Now, we showed you yesterday on their documents, they said, or the day before yesterday, that the bivalent would be discontinued. Or rather specifically, I forget the term they exactly used. But I'm going to show you right now that it's still going to be available, actually, but in a weird, different step where the government doesn't supply it anymore, right? But now Walgreens had to remove the ones from the government that were on their shelves, even though the exact same thing, apparently, is going to be sold to them from private entities, you know, like Pfizer or whoever will sell their injections directly to Walgreens. So explain that to me. We'll get into it in a second. But the idea that those are somehow different. There's something very weird happening here, and there's some kind of a swap happening, and I'm very concerned about whatever might be in these next ones. And I don't, I, I mean, at one point I might have like hesitated in even saying that exactly like that, but I'm telling you guys, it's if we have been lied to about damn near everything that's happening, including about whether it's mod RNA, and they're still playing it fast and loose with those terms, I don't know why we wouldn't question about what else is in general in these things that we don't know about. There's a whole lot to show you there's some concern there, but why then swap these things out? But anyway, so they've suspended apparently all of them. And she says that seems strange because she's right, though. Every shot is money for them. Now, yes, or, or first of all, we're going to pretend that the pharmacies really care all that much about what the government tells them to do in some cases. Well, yeah, I would, the individual, yes. But from a company perspective, it's a, it's a good question. But it says, so my first question was, why would they pause them? Is there something being ordered, ordered to do? Which turns out, yes, as I got them on the phone saying that. And she says, don't know if there's a story behind this, but, you know, thank you in general for sharing this with me. You know who you are. <clears throat> now, the point is right now they're telling you two things, that COVID is still dangerous. And right up until the 30 seconds ago when they told you this new one was approved, they were telling you the older ones were still effective versus whatever was still happening today. So all this does is undermine all of that. Why would you pause it now and leave a gap? I'm going to show you. They're telling you, I just tried to sign up for, a, for an appointment. 
and they say they don't have it. It's not here. Pro- and it looks like the 18th is when their, their website at least seems to know it's going to be coming. Okay, well, then why wouldn't they still administer the ones they just got done telling you are still effective today? Doesn't that seem strange? It does. And at the very least, it implies that they knew that one wasn't doing anything or that there's something that so rapidly needed to change that they, in real time, yanked this stuff down and they're waiting for remo- for replacements of all of them, both the new one, but also the bivalent, which is apparently still going to be available. I don't even know why that makes sense. So here's what she sent me. On the website, it says COVID-19 vaccine update. COVID-19 vaccines are currently not available pending the arrival of the new shot. Nothing. Existing appointments prior to updated vaccine arrival will be rescheduled. So that even then, it seemed, it shows you that they were even making appointments right up until yesterday or the day before. So Walgreens wasn't even made aware of this. Or at the very least, they thought they would be able to just swap and keep doing it with the appointments they made. But somebody said no. Get rid of those. We have new things coming. That seems a little ominous to me, if I have to be honest. Of course, that's conspiratorial to some people, but maybe, maybe, it's the, maybe so. Maybe it is a conspiracy. But here's what I wanted to show you. So this is from the Washington Post in January. Talking about exactly this variant, by the way. Do bivalent boosters work against XBB15? Well, of course. You ask it before the new thing, oh, good, safe and effective. Benefits outweigh the risk, right? All the time. New CD, new data from the CDC shows updated boosters are cutting risk of getting sick from COVID by about half. Now realize that's not the new thing. This is January. They're talking about bivalent, which think about how dumb that is to call that an updated booster when it's like, it's not even a, it's not even monovalent anymore. You're adding multiple different things. It's just so silly. They're not boosters guys. They're completely new things. And if they say booster, they hope you're too, you don't realize that it's, it's a, not just an extension of the same thing. And they want you to think all the data applies. These things have not even barely been tested. And the one that the, most of what they're saying is inferred from before. Oh, and then basically just the point is they're telling you the bivalent is effective. In fact, cutting your risk in half against what they're telling you this new one is for XBB15. Okay, so why would they stop it then? Right? Why would they leave you at risk would be the narrative. Right, because aren't they telling you that you're at risk right now? So, obviously, there's a there's a, a weird gap in all of this, right? So, before we get to their clip, let's listen to what the news is saying about right now. A couple of different things that I think are important. Of course, a, a hospitalization uptick, which is such a silly argument, because we've shown you. I'll just show you now. Thank you, Chief Nerd, again for this is so stupid. How right now we are at a lower point in regard to cases, cases than near any point in the entire illusion of this whole thing. Anywhere. And yet, somehow we're going to have an uptick in hospitalizations, even though they're telling uptick in cases. Well, it's an uptick because it went from what? You know, like realize if we, let's just say at the peak of the pandemic, there was 100,000 cases a minute. And now suddenly we're at a point where you're getting 10 a day. And all of a sudden you see 40 a day. Oh my God, there's an uptick. We see four times the amount of cases. Except the reality is 100,000 a minute down to 10 a day and then it goes to 40 a day is a ridiculous thing to start saying it's been a four times increase because it is nothing compared to what was happening. And even when it was at its peak, remember, we realize now that these things were either a lie, COVID, flu, pneumonia, PCR false positives, or at worst case scenario, a thing that was never worse than the flu, according to all the research and data we have from peer-reviewed science. So even so, so all the way down here, we shouldn't really be with, it's a hype, guys. It's just, it's, it, goes, it goes back to this same thing. 
He's telling you guys, we hype, we lie about staffs, we, we, we blatantly lie to you to get you scared enough to buy what we want you to buy, even if some of them they actually think it's for some kind of greater good. So let's watch what the news has to say. This is, by the way, sent to you by my mother, filmed on her TV. <laughs> and by the way, the volume is low. I didn't have time to increase it, on, download it again. So just turn up your volume. I'll try not to jump in and sound loud while it's playing. On the rise, the new booster shots will be ready this week. So we talked with a local doctor about the current strain, and the governor talks mask mandates. Doctors say the new strain of COVID is very contagious and can cause serious disease. So we're talking mask mandates. Realize this is in Tennessee. That's alarming because that's one of these places that's pushed back quite a bit. And, and, and now you're telling us that it can cause extreme disease. Like this is a, the point is guys, you could take the most benign thing in the world and say that it can cause severe disease because most of them can in any case, somebody's immune, immunocompromised, whatever. So the reality is this is definitely like, let me play it again contagious and can cause serious disease it is contagious as all of them are and can 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 cause serious disease this is the game they're playing they're well aware this is a fraction if, if even actually there of what it ever was before and they're just lying now does the news does that mindless repeater on the news know that i guarantee they don't they're just saying what they're told to say and the, their their bosses are giving them what they were told to give them that's how this works the point, though, is that it's not even remotely more dangerous or even more contagious as far as I can tell. I mean, this thing, is, if it's even, I mean, I really say that, I mean that, if it's even actually there. Because this could be another folding in of other things like we saw in the beginning of all this. Back to the clip. Even over last week, there's been an increase in uh, hospitalizations due to covid in our area. These several strains that are out there circulating at the present time are children or grandchildren of the Omicron strain. Dr. William Schaffner, professor of infectious disease at Vanderbilt University, says the new booster is recommended for those six months and older, especially for the elderly, pregnant women, and people who are immunocompromised or have underlying conditions. Those people are at increased risk of hospitalization uh, with these strains that are going around at the present time. Dr. Schaffner says to expect COVID around for the foreseeable future, but a return of the old government mandates like masking may be a thing of the past. Well, that's not really what they're saying. If they just told us in the beginning that the governor just said masking is coming back. <laughs> so that's a little contradictory, isn't it? But realize what he's ultimately saying there. I mean, first of all. Hospitalization at the present time. Dr. Schaffner says to expect... First of all, is his name William Shatner? Is that really what his name is? Like, I find that to be, like, hilariously insulting. ...COVID around for the foreseeable future, but a return of the old missions. Those people are... Uh, it, that's what it was. The, so the, the, the idea that you are literally saying that they're at more risk, well, that, he's, well, you have to understand the way they're playing these games. Is he, are they at more risk because this is so dangerous? Or is he just generally stating that pregnant people, immunocompromised, are, and, and elderly are or whatever, the three things that are at more risk in a general sense to anything, because they are. But then also realize that what you're literally telling them to get is provably not tested on any of those categories. Provably. In every single example of this entire system, this whole thing, from the original to B1 to bivalent to this, none of them have been tested on pregnant people, on immunocompromised people, on children, on elderly people with comorbidities. 
None of them. And yet they push it on them first. They're hurting them by this, guys. The data is undeniably clear. And that's why they roll out some random doctor from somewhere. I mean, the point is, you're, why ask yourself why you're not seeing these, you know, leading doctors in their fields like they were pushing out at the beginning. Now they have to grab, you know, Joe Doctor from the corner to step in and be like, I believe these are more dangerous because he loves TV time. Easy to do. At increased risk of hospitalization uh, with these strains that are going around at the present time. Dr. Schaffner says to expect COVID around for the foreseeable future, but a return of the old government mandates like masking may be a thing of the past. The new booster is expected in health departments and pharmacies as soon as this week. Doctors say if you've recovered from COVID or recently received a booster, wait two or three months before receiving the new one. I'm planning to uh, make sure that Tennesseans uh, do what they want to do, but there'll be no mandates, there'll be no vaccine mandates, there'll be no mask mandates. We learned in the last one that the government does not need to tell people how to live their lives with regard to their own personal health. That, those are decisions that they need to make, and that's the way it'll be going forward. Well, that's good. That's why I live in Tennessee. But listen to this. On the rise, the new booster shots will be ready this week. So we talked with a local doctor about the current strain, and the governor talks mask mandates. Oh, so I just misunderstood what he said. Talks mask mandates, but clearly is saying not having them. So I thought that, anyway, the case is general. That Obviously, we already see these mandates coming back all over the place. But again, Tennessee, at the very least, where you know, Franklin in general, where I am, is absolutely one of the best places in all of this, as far as I can tell. But, you know, they are still justifying all of this. And under the guise that it can be worse. I mean, that is the hype. That is fear. Pandemics of fear based on the unknown. That's always present. This is the biosecurity state. This is where we are. So we're at a point where we are, they're using hype about things that aren't happening to scare you into taking the next thing. Now, yes, they're stressing the idea that this won't be forced, but realize in the beginning of this, we saw coercion that wasn't necessarily mandates. And we're already seeing that. You're seeing hospitals, I just showed you that, who are still firing people for not taking their last shot, even though there's no longer in this Australia, but it's all over the world. And now we're going to see this rise up again, where they're going to make kids take this to go to school. They're forcing mask mandates for school. That's, how is that even legal? It's not, is the point. But it's still happening because people still have a, an allowance for this in their minds. But this is the same doctor. New COVID vaccine and booster shots for this fall to be available by mid-September. This is the 13th. So it says, the first new COVID vaccines updated for this fall season should start to be available in mid-September now that the FDA and the CDC have signed off on the new shots. This is a change from the bivalent composition used to, in the last round of boosters, which, again, it's so funny. Remember when we remember I harped on this for a while? It says, which blended two components. <laughs> I just want you to remember how dumb these people in the corporate media are. They don't vet anything, it seems. They just say what they're told to say. And what they were telling you was it was aimed at three things. Remember that? Over and over and over. And they're silly because it was really a bivalent shot it's not hard to understand but they were trying to they, somebody told them that it works against the other one and they took that to mean that it was you that it was made to fight those three things remember i mean we should all have a laugh at how silly these people are and i don't know why people i mean i don't i don't think anybody even listens to garbage media much anymore but they still get <laughs> funded by the government because they serve a purpose but it was all one the ever b4 five was the whole point and they just pretend that it worked for other things they're doing the same thing now 
Well, it's only made for XPV15, but it'll work for all the rest, we think. It says, while, while newer XPV descendants have emerged, including EG15 or .5, a strain that's rapidly gaining ground, experts say these variants so far remain closely related, and the updated vaccine formula should offer protection. <laughs> that's, that's a strong statement. It's, that's what you hear everywhere. Well, it's most likely going to work. I don't know. And that, I just can't believe they think that would some. Uh, these are supposedly high level journalists in the corporate media, or you've got experts and doctors and scientists that are supposed to be the experts they put forward. And they're telling you, yeah, I think it'll work. Don't they feel stupid when they say that? Or don't they realize this is being pushed on people right now, even though they're not claiming it won't be a mandate? It's hurting people. Quote, there doesn't seem to be any particular advantage, they now say, to a bivalent vaccine. XBB is the lineage right now, and there is good cross-protection no matter what antigen is chosen, according to the data we've shown before. Now, of course, you could argue they mean just in a general sense or the bivalent. Either way, the point is that they were telling you 30 seconds ago this was the right thing to take still. Now, suddenly, it doesn't work, and they pulled it off the shelves. While there's nothing ready now, that just doesn't add up. There's something fishy around that part of the story. Then it says, well, the new vaccines will start to roll out as soon as Wednesday. Yesterday. But I, I, nowhere have I seen that. I called multiple places. It could be late September or October before they're widely available. How is it possible that if this was approved and emergency authorized for under, 11, for under 12, on that day, mind you, or technically the 12th, that by the next day they would have these things ready? So are, we, are, we gonna, are you literally telling us that they already made all of these before it was approved? Yes, guys. There's no other way these could be shipped already if they did not already have them made and ready. Do you think Pfizer would make these shots without knowing that they would be bought? We're talking billions of dollars here. So read between the lines. They knew it was going to be approved. It wasn't even a question. Rubber stamped like everyone before it. The CDC and the FDA. I think that's easy to see. Two steps were required before new vaccines could make their debut in the commercial market. FDA and the CDC had to say yes. And, of course, they did it on none other than September 11th. Now, by the way, also, did you guys forget that we were supposed to have a new pandemic yesterday? According to all the Q people and all the, you know, the, the Twitter files people on Twitter, September 13th. And that guy was all adamant at proving that you were wrong. He proved it and broke it down. Well, yeah, how did that work out? So many people out there love to push what their subjective opinions now, of course, what ultimately happens is something will later happen and they'll go see it. It started on the 13th. But we didn't know about it until 40 days later. Smart. Certainly possible, but that's all assumption by all those kind of people. Oh, I just had this in case I lost it. Now, let's listen to what Walgreens had to say. And there's a couple of interesting points in here, I think, that really stand out. Oh, actually, I did have two different things. Really quickly, I forgot I had this as well. I, I grabbed a... <clears throat> Screenshot of just how I, I wanted to show you a couple of points on what the screen actually looked like. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, here, I got to do it this way. One second. There we go. So I went through the actual website. Let's mute that. So I went to the actual website, right? And so you can see it says below are the vaccines the patient can schedule. Now, right there, right above that, it says the CDC says it's safe to get multiple vaccines at once. It says it right there. More than once, by the way. Even though we've proven to you how many times, it's not true. They don't know because they never tested it. None of them. 
None of them, guys, especially COVID and flu. They did not test them. And I just showed you that on the most recent information about even the XBB shot, but also the bivalent and everyone before it. They've never done this. And all of the data, even peer-reviewed science, is screaming about how it's dangerous in general for pregnant women, but especially the fact that when you cross them over, it's even worse. And we have no data to back up any safety around that. And I only mean it's worse because the idea is that you're adding even more substances that are, com- that are creating these kind of problems. Let it, just the COVID shot alone, these things are deadly by definition, which simply means that they can kill you. They can, and we know that. They've admitted that. I don't care if it's 0.01%. That means they're deadly. And they love to play with definitions, but we know it's a hell of a lot more than that. So just going forward on this, they're telling you, yes, go ahead and pick it as many as you want. Fill them at the same time. Oh, and then it says, yeah, see, it says right there, by the way, this season's COVID-19 vaccine is available. So why would they put that on the website and then not allow you to get it, which is what ultimately happens? Now it says here, yeah, same thing, just, you know, get them all at the same time. Like, it's just the same thing. You can get the recommend. it says, yeah, get all recommended vaccines at one visit. Same thing over and over. Now, on September 14th, like, so it tells you they're ready. You're ready to go. Make your appointment. But then you can't pick it because there's nothing there for you to pick. See, the 14th, there's nothing pops up. You got to try to hit the map to change it, and nothing happens. Yeah, it says down there, it says, based on the information we provided, we don't have any available appointments within 25 miles. So I just don't know why they would go out of their way to make you think that they were there. I think it's because they're trying to hide the fact that they, there's a gap. There's something weird that happened, and there's, a, there's a, a gap right now between now and whenever they get them where nobody can get any shots at all. I don't think they want anybody to know that. I think that's why they're just trying to tell you everything and just act like it's a glitch. Well, we don't know. It's not working. The map doesn't come up. Now, what's weird is it does if you click it up to the 18th. Right there. See, so click the 18th. Oh, suddenly it works. So tell me this. I'll play it for you next. How does the map know they'll be there by the 18th, but the people on the phone don't know that? Or, I mean, why would the map suddenly work? They're showing you where they have them on the 18th, apparently. (laughs) Think about that. And a bunch of places, by the way. I find that really, really telling. I think that was it on here. Oh, yeah, and there's the CDC's asking for extra information about your ethnicity and whatever else. It says, help the CDC. Oh, yeah, and this one says, look at this. Let's get the patient's information. If the patient is under the age of 13, you have to have a parent. 13? Yeah, guys, so apparently if you're 14 years old, you can go get a shot without your parent's permission. But you can't join the military, you can't drive a car, you can't smoke a cigarette, but you can go get a sex change or you can, you know, get your COVID injection, either of which are super deadly for you and have lasting effects for the rest of your life. But no big deal. Trust the government. How silly is that? Okay, well, now let's listen to the actual call. Oh, did I do that twice? That's weird. Hold on. I guess I did. Okay, here's the call to Walgreens. Walgreens. Para continuar en español, oprima nueve. Just to let you know, the updated COVID vaccine will be available at Walgreens mid-September. 
Check Walgreens.com slash scheduled vaccine for the latest updates. That's where I was on the previous thing I showed Thank you. Thank you for calling Walgreens Pharmacy. This is Tiffany. Can I help you? Hi, yes. Um, I'm just trying to clarify something. I was trying to schedule my, my next booster, and I'm just confused on the timing. I was told it was available, and I think the website says it's available. But as I go through the process, it just doesn't give me an option, even though it says that We I haven't received have our shipment yet, and so it's not allowing anything to go through all the way yet. Oh, that makes it well. Do you know what do, what do they mean? It's not allowing anything. What does that mean? It's like the system, I guess. Would you know when that will come in? They're just saying hopefully by mid next week. They said they started the shipments out yesterday, and they're hoping to get it all to everybody by Monday. There but it, it may. So if they ship these out yesterday, they were already made. Every single one of them, or at the very least, enough to ship these out across the country in one day. Just don't miss that important point. They knew this was going to be approved. Take until Wednesday for everyone in the area to get it. Okay. Well, then, I mean, is it – I'm also confused. Can I just can – I, can I come in and get the bivalent instead? They have deauthorized the bivalent, so I can – I don't have any more. They told us to pull it from the shelves. Do not give it anymore. They deauthorized the bivalent, said pull it from the shelves. If they told you it worked for XBB, there's something wrong right there. I don't know what that means. I don't know what is so important about this other one. Or, I mean, if you want to just be surface level about it, maybe they genuinely are saying, oh, my God, those are killing people. Get them off the shelf as quick as possible. I highly doubt that, but certainly possible because they are, especially the bivalent, net harm, right? They are murdering people with these shots. They're causing far, 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 far more damage. And I'll show you next. Up to 40,000 shots. Or 40,000 people under in between 18 and 27 to get three shots each to stop one hospitalization causes 18.5 serious adverse events. That's according to the British Medical Journal. That's amazingly bad. So maybe that's actually what's happening. But I'm not, something tells me it's worse than that. Why? I, th- I thought that was still the usable one in the meantime. Since the one we so- had was issued by the government, and that's no longer the case. So I can't administer the government-issued one. Now it's going to be private parties that supply it. Weird. Weird. So you can't. So the same shot, by the way, is what they're claiming anyway. Same bivalent shot. We just got to get, throw away the government made ones or government issued ones and give you the ones that whatever the private is. So Pfizer or whatever company they use to sell them to the pharmacies. Why? So what we had what? in our fridge, we can no longer administer. What, when you say private parties, do I go to like a different place to get it or? No, you'll still get it here. We just, instead of the government sending it to us, we will order it from the actual warehouses and manufacturers now instead of waiting for the government to send it to us. So then maybe, maybe BioNTech, that's the manufacturer. So they're ordering directly from BioNTech. Maybe that's exactly why we just pointed out yesterday they are the ones that got the approval. Remember? This is what's happening, guys. We're watching this transition, and we're going to get into the PREP Act and why this is – I mean, they're, they're redesigning everything adding amendments and just stretching these things out. They're building the new system right now. And the idea that they're going to order directly from these people to give you the shot, they're still, under the PREP Act, have indemnity for all of this. Now it looks like for damn near everything under the sun because everything is now somehow connected under the guise of this new amendment to COVID-19 or the illusion they're in. And we just read this for yesterday, but I'm going to flush this out more today in regard to the PREP Act and the amendment they just made. But I think that's really important to understand here. Houses and manufacturers now, instead of waiting for the government to send it to us. Another point there. Don't get it here. We just, instead of the government. Oh, that, the other point is obviously, so you can apparently still get the bivalent shot. Why would that make sense? 
Why? Okay, if they're the ones telling you right now this new one is there because this one doesn't make sense anymore. And that's what they just said on the, on the corporate article I just read you. But yet somehow we're going to let you buy it if you want to, even though it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, yeah, they have indemnity. Why not? If you're stupid enough to go and take the old shot on top of the new one, why not? They'll take your money. This is, this is criminal. Sending it to us, we will order it from the actual warehouses and manufacturers now instead of waiting for the government to send it to us. Oh, so wait, so I'm confused. So I can come in and get the bivalent? You cannot. I cannot administer any bivalent because I do not have it. They told us to remove the ones from our fridge oh. that were provided by the government. I got it. So you're just waiting on that shipment too? Yes, we have no COVID to give right now. Yeah, just to be clear, she agrees. So she's just waiting on the new shipment of bivalent and the other one. Got it. Oh, so not even like the B1 or anything? That's kind of crazy, Nine. right? I mean, what, what about people? I mean, I'm, so there's nothing I can do until you get the new shipment? There's nothing to do until the new shipment arrives, unfortunately. Is that only you guys, or is that pretty much everywhere? That's everywhere. That is a FDA thing across the country. Okay. All right. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Well, isn't that interesting? I think that's a pretty big deal. Well, let's talk about the PrEP Act and how this relates to what we were just talking about. And just to refresh your memory from the show we just covered of the day before yesterday, we were just reading you from this page in general, from the the actually not this exact page, but from the HHS Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response and what the PREP Act is, the amendments, the 11th Amendment that was made to this on May 9th. And what it says is on May 9th, Secretary Bursera signed the 11th Amendment to the declaration under the PREP Act for COVID-19 medical countermeasures. Again, that's we're talking about the military here, but the idea that you can amend this act in the middle of the emergency to achieve what you want to achieve. It, how does that even make sense? It shows you the lawless nature of what they're doing. I mean, they, they just execute what they want and say the law. It says the secretary issues this amendment to clarify that COVID-19 continues to pose a credible risk of a future pandemic. So this is my point. All of them are like this. So originally they say we declared an emergency because of the special threat caused by what's happening. Then they renew it forever. In this case, they pretend to end the larger one, but allow the PREP Act through the PREP Act, as well as through the FDA, to just continue a use of the emergency to allow these under emergency use authorization, or rather, more specifically, indemnity for all of it because of possible future pandemics. That's exactly what corruption looks like. That's exactly what they've always warned you about from any angle that would, was willing to speak up. In 2000, early 2000s, the WHO called this out. Pandemics of fear. We, with the, as we told you before, the HHS did the same. I'll include that since I listed it off. It's called uh, Health is More Than Influenza. This page is gone now, by the way, because they delete these things, but it's from 2011. And they tell you very clearly. The repeated pandemic health scares caused by avian H5N1 and H1N1, both of which they still pretend were big, serious, bad pandemics, but they say were part, parts of a culture of fear. Worst case thinking, we're talking about replaced balanced risk assessment. They, saw, they talk about, does you know, that it all, that in both pandemics of fear, it says right there, exaggerated claims of severe public health threats stem primarily from disease advocacy by health experts like Fauci and the rest of them. This is the WHO, guys. They, people were trying to call this out a long time ago, and those people are gone now. I've already covered what happened to them. The point is that this is just an extension forever based on the idea of a credible risk forever. Because who knows? It could get worse. That's really their argument. Then it says, add two new limitations on top of all that. 
right? The amendment also adds two new limitations on distribution extend, and extends the time period of coverage for certain covered countermeasures, you know, like injections and PCR tests and everything else. Clarify the time period of coverage for all of that all the way until December 2024. Just like that. We'll just add an amendment based on what? There's not an emergency. These things aren't helping, and, it's, and this thing's not even dangerous, but you're just going to argue ar- arbitrarily extend it. Let me show you why. Brian Ward here broke this down really clearly, and I appreciate this. I think he did a good job on this. He says, the new Pfizer-Moderna shots coming out are under the PrEP Act, which you knew, which requires only voluntary participation. Moreover, quote, it appears these shots will be the first licensed product vials to hit the shelves. I've been telling you this. What he means by that is they're standing on top of the community approval for something that was never given out, arguably never even made, and saying, we've updated community, and here it is, it's approved already, which is basically what's happening. They, and then the emergency use authorized for 11 down, even though there's no emergency, which, by the way, shouldn't even be legal since there are approved versions and there are viable alternatives. That's per the FDA and the HHS, but nobody cares because we're in a corrupt system. Then it says the FDA told these companies in June to make a shot, and they did it in less than 60 days. I'll show you Trump praising that still today. However, it says despite 361 million potential contraindications between the two drugs and 19,000 other licensed drugs, the FDA, first of all, don't miss how ridiculous that is. So what he's you'll see why it makes sense in a second. What he's saying is there's over 300 million potential dangerous issues with these just Moderna and Pfizer's COVID shots. And then combined 19,000 on the record with every other drug we're talking about. That's what we're all trying to highlight for people that don't see it. These things are wildly dangerous, probably designed that way. But it says the FDA actually licensed these shots for commercial marketing, which is why they will not let them outside of the PrEP Act's absolute immunity. Nurses All seasonal influenza shots are also under the PrEP Act this year. These are the kind of amendments that they just did. Why? Why are we allowing them to just shoehorn in the flu shots under some emergency declaration that's not there anymore? Corruption. It says, which means you are not required to take the shot under a mandate, even though they'll tell you that, and will still fire you if you say no. And no legal accountability because the corrupt system. The point is that you can't, they're arguing, they generally probably saying that this is because those shots are important and if those are not there then you'll get extra sick and it will cause covid to be even worse like that's my point they will find an ex- a connection to any kind of argument that somehow backwardly will make maybe covid worse therefore it all applies you think i'm making that up it says however the hhs secretary has brought all all child vaccines under the prep act to provide absolute immunity for all damages bringing into question the vaccine injury fund and how it might be available to new victims. HHS also is providing PrEP Act immunity for all seasonal influenza vaccines, which means that no one can be required to participate. And he says, I am releasing a video explaining the legal reason why. He says, America, every child vaccine administered this year is under absolute immunity and every seasonal influenza vaccine is under absolute immunity. Additionally, many masks, Testing articles and pro- and protective equipment are still under the emergency use authorization, as I just told you, and the PrEP Act. How does that even make legal sense? It doesn't. Now, it says here's what is covered. <clears throat> this will blow your mind. Any antiviral, any drug, any biologic, any diagnostic, any other device 
any respiratory protective device or any vaccine manufacturer used, designed, developed, modified, licensed, or procured to diagnose, mitigate, prevent, treat, or cure COVID-19 or the transmission of SARS-CoV-2 or a virus mutating therefrom or to limit the harm that COVID-19 or the transmission of SARS-CoV-2 or a virus mutating therefrom might otherwise cause. Guys, that's literally everything, or you could make that argument. A product manufactured, used, designed, developed, modified, licensed, or procured to diagnose, mitigate, prevent, treat, or cure a serious or life-threatening disease or condition caused by a product described in paragraph A, my God, above C, a product or technology intended to enhance the use or effect of a product described in paragraph A, think about how abstract that is, or B, above, or any device used in the administration, or excuse me, I'm, I'm paragraph above is what that's saying, or any device used in the administration of any such product, and all components and constituent materials of any such product. <laughs> I mean, that is the most ridiculously corrupt thing I've ever seen in my life. They have just swept in everything. Everything. Because right there, you could tie that to literally anything under the sun. Because as he'll say next, they could just say, well, it'll exacerbate COVID-19 or our issues therefrom. But it says, wait, you're not ready for this. Health and Human Services Secretary extended the disease categories under the PrEP Act, which could be 100% of all diseases and medical treatments. Quote, the category of disease, health condition, or threat for which I recommend the administration or use of the covered countermeasures is not only COVID-19 caused by SARS-CoV-2 or a virus mutating therefrom, this is directly quoted from them, but also other diseases, health conditions, or threats that may have been caused by COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, or a virus mutating therefrom, including a threat of increased burden on the healthcare system due to seasonal influenza infections occurring at the same time as COVID infections, which will lead to an increase in the rate of infectious diseases. You see the point? That is intentionally meant to be anything that they just say that might make our job harder today. It says, in other words, if you go to the hospital due to an auto accident and the hospital uses a respirator that is under the PREP Act in a manner causing you significant harm, which we know is happening, especially under COVID-19, the hospital can claim a PREP Act immunity because they were under an increased burden due to to attend to all the other patients in the hospital for COVID-19, even though you did not go to the hospital for COVID-19. My God. The PREP Act is the most unconstitutional piece of legislation ever to come out of Congress. Don't believe me, he says. Congress wrote into the PREP Act that the judicial branch of government cannot issue a writ of mandamus, which essentially is saying that the higher court can hand down direction to a lower court. They said they won't, they, they want to, they wrote into the PREP Act that the judicial branch of government can't do that. Supreme Court can't do that. That's what they're claiming. Nor review the legality of the HHS secretary's actions. In other words, the legislative branch provided one person with godlike authority that they said that no person in America can touch, including the president or the Supreme Court. Let that sink in. An authority overriding the U.S. Constitution, state sovereignty, and our due process rights. If it, I mean, if it stands, clearly it's been going this way, but hopefully if there's anybody honest anywhere, this should have been talked about right in the beginning. No person can require, he says, any other person to participate in a covered countermeasure under the PREP Act immunity, and he intends to get that ruling from courts around the nation. Us well, hoping these judicial, the judges are honest. My God. But here is what 
Truth Dream, Truth Dream Media pointed out, and they're right. It's, this isn't legal. It's like writing into law, quote, this law is legal because we said so for all time and no one can ever question it ever. Exactly. Not how our system works. Actually, I sadly think that's how it works today. This kind of egregious nonsensical overstepping is how our nation's frameworks fall apart. I agree. But understand, that is really how ridiculous this is. If you're going to write into law using the PREP Act, that's the law, that's legislation, that the higher courts can't change what you did, only you can make this decision and nobody can take it away from you, you just basically created a new form of government under the, under the guise of pandemics. Isn't that what we've all been telling you? Now, just wait until this overlaps with the WHO and the pandemic treaties and the amendments and all of that. And suddenly you've got a powerful entity here who decides that we have to do what they say. Now you get to decide what happens through the pandemic. What happens then? It scares me. Now here, by the way, in case you forgot, was the very first action through this during the pandemic. The illusion they're in. Do you remember who did that? Donald Trump. Declaration under the Pan the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act for medical countermeasures. March 17, 2020. The Secretary is issuing this declaration pursuant to Section 319 of the Public Health Service Act to provide liability immunity for activities related to medical countermeasures. Thank you, Donald Trump. I guess he was just confused about that. It must be somebody else's fault. Do you guys give Biden the same pass? Why? Why would you do it for either? Team sport politics. The declaration was effective as of February 4th, 2020. Of course, we have Cadillac in there. Of course, he plays a role. This guy is going to be a recurring monster in this whole thing. So Donald Trump initiates this, and this is where we are today. Watching the most, as he put it, unconstitutional piece of legislation ever to come out of Congress. Now, yeah, it came out under, under I think, George W. Bush in 2005. And has been used and abused ever since. But Donald Trump was the one who initiated this, which has been the most abused through this that I've ever seen in my lifetime. So just in case, you know, quick side note, you wanted to hear what Donald Trump had to say today about the shots and the injured and Fauci. You might not be surprised if you watch this show. People on the other side, I don't not my side, although probably there's some on my side, too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people. You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. And and I'm not not not, somebody who denies some of the good that the vaccines did. My God. Really, Megyn Kelly? Somebody who's now like you're not denying some of the good that these things did. These people are children or they're liars. That's so stupid. There's no honest person that can watch what's happening today and still pretend that somebody should be taking this. Period. We should not be mincing words about this. They're killing people in seemingly designed that way. And yet, here's the false dichotomy back and forth. Yeah, I know. I mean, the bottom line here that you, first of all, my team, you know, really? Aren't you the, the president of all of America? No, my team, my team and their team. Yeah, always, guys. But also, the whole shtick that he puts forward, I just don't know why people can't see right through it. I mean, really, I know really smart people that seem to think that this guy is all about it. It's, it. The way he even talks, it's so obviously dishonest. Trying to, you, to control the conversation. Oh, the Democrat, they liked what I said. Like, just you, if, I don't even know how to explain it exactly. But he's so obviously not the person that people think he is. And I don't think any of these people are. 
Doesn't mean I'm supporting Biden or RFK, guys, for all those people that are lost into party paradigm. They're all liars. I lived through that, too. But, of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they... Including you, right? Didn't Megyn Kelly have an injury? I thought she did. ...rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates, and people have to make up their... Yeah, but you set, in, you set down the reasoning and the allowance for it to happen. That's that, that is a weak sidestep that only people that want to blindly support him should take, or would take. The reality was that everything you did was why it happened. The Defense Production Act, the, set, the state of emergency to, to begin with, came from Trump's administration. We just showed you the PREP Act, which is what's allowing it to continue now. All of that started with Trump. It doesn't matter whether you think he was blinded or not. You, you can't give somebody a pass because of their ignorance and then pretend you still want to support them. The bottom line is this was one step to another. I, quite frankly, think it would have been the exact same whether it was Biden first or Trump next. doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. Own, you know, make their own decision. As far as I'm concerned, now, some places had mandates, had very strong mandates, uh, largely Democrat governors and probably some Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But, but see, that's my point. You know damn well the reality. The way he does that is just dishonest. Some maybe, you know, it's like, yeah, yes, you know that many of people which you still support. There are Democrats that say, why aren't you talking about that? It's one of the they really I'm willing to bet my life. That's not even true. My opinion, of course. But what Democrats are coming up going, you know, Trump, I don't. Why don't you talk more about the vaccine? It's like it's just such a false setting. Believe strongly. One said you say and this is very smart people. They said you saved a hundred million on repeat. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking. I just can't stand how transparent this person is. It's so silly. It's the same thing in the way he talks and the same move, the same smart people. They all said one guy even said it's all hyperbole and it's it's just it's so obvious. If you actually read his book, he'll tell you how he does this and lies to people and gets what he wants. But let's pretend like that's not true. In people worldwide uh, in 1917, you know, they, it could have been as much as 100. It ended the First World War because all the soldiers were dying of of this horrible disease of 1917. Yeah, it's called pneumonia and it likely happened because of the mass they all forced on people. But let's not talk about that. You know, it actually ended the First World War. The soldiers were dying. They were on the lines. They're fighting and they're dying of this horrible disease. Let's also not forget that General Pershing was the reason this like largely happened because they knew there was a pandemic outbreak or something that was happening at the very least and that they kept deploying people anyway and they hid it from the world. And it wasn't until uh, until uh, Spain spoke up and said, there's a problem. And guess what? Like we told you in the beginning, the U.S. grabbed the microphone and said, Spanish flu, Spanish flu, because they knew it started in Kansas. And you can prove that today. It's even on Wikipedia's page about the whole thing. It started in Kansas. The, the U.S. government covered it up. General Pershing kept deploying people anyway, didn't care. And then they made it the Spanish flu. And we're even still calling it that today. That's how that game works. We showed you in the beginning. said, you might have saved 100 million people, 50 million people. He, so he's still so she asked about the injured. Not only does he not say a word about that, he jumps right over and goes, I'm the one. I did it. I'm good. I saved everyone's lives. Think about the insulting nature. Think about what there where are all the Republicans who do support him that are screaming about the vaccine injured, screaming about how bad this is, and yet still want to vote for this person. How can you know that? And you know he knows that, and yet pretend that he doesn't willfully ignore it or is happy or you know, allowed it, part of it. There's really only two ways that can go. You know he knows what his supporters are saying. And every time he triples down, even when his crowd boos at him, he goes, oh, I did it. They never said we could do it. I did it faster than anybody. Oh, even the Democrats will come and say, oh, why don't you tell people? It's the same thing every time, over and over and over.
Why aren't you talking about it? I said, I'm not talking about it. But what I did do is I got... Even though he talks about it literally every time. <laughs> well played. Got something done for that specific thing. I also got Regeneron and I got a lot of therapeutics done, which were great. I also got the robes and the leather and the rubber and all... Yeah, Defense Production Act. That's called martial law for protection. Because you forced that. And even then, you made a lot of ventilators that actually killed a lot of people. But let's keep praising that. All of the different things, the ventilators, mm -hmm. we did a tremendous job. And it's never, you know, they appreciated what I did with the economy. I got a lot of good marks on economy. I got a lot of good marks on a lot of things. Rebuilding the military, getting rid of ISIS. My God. Uh, the biggest tax cuts in history. Uh, Supreme Court. I never... Isn't it stupid that he still pretends that he got rid of ISIS? I mean, they still report things about it today. Even then, there was still thing after he said we defeated them. There was they were the, their his administration reported stuff about ISIS later. But you know who cares? It's none of this about the truth. It's about talking points. I got, I think the credit that I deserve. I oh, Trump! I'm sorry. Did you not get pat on the head like you were supposed to? Good job on the vaccine, buddy. Right? Who cares about the vaccine injured that Megyn Kelly very softly threw at you and never followed up on? Great journalism. Two-party illusion. People are silly. But as he says, completely and totally disregard the injured shots. Now, just be, by the way, I believe this was posted by DeSantis War Room. And let's not pretend like any of them are any better. DeSantis is basically a Trump clone, and he's worse, I think, if I had to really pick. But all of them, all of them are trying to deceive you. Sam Husseini points out another part of this. And I love what he, this, we had an interview about this. And I'm, I'm going to connect with Sam again soon. I love, I'm going to show you a clip about him at the end in the State Department. But that he made the argument then and still says that Trump is the opposable thumb of the establishment. And that's not even to say that he knows that. That's up for you to decide. But it's very clear to me. Now, this is where Megyn Kelly asked him about giving Fauci a presidential accommodation. A presidential accommodation, right? Nobody else can hand those out but the president, guys. Just so we make that clear. I think Trump forgot that. Because the point, oh, that's so funny. This, you just, didn't you just see it? There was a fact check right there that popped up. Not that that is what we would even listen to. Yep, and then it went away. Isn't that weird? Oh, look at that. It disappeared. Look, Twitter is such a POS. But the point is what it said, which is the truth, is that he knows this, and it's on the record at the time that he knew he knowingly did this. He gave Fauci accommodation as opposed to firing him or calling him what he ultimately was. Listen to the way he says, how he honestly engages with this point. Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time well, in May... Well, I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant. And when you say you don't listen to him that much, that's a lie. Fauci ran this program, and we all know that. It was very clear. Under Trump's administration. So I yeah. couldn't, technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way, you yeah. made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus. Task you think force, so? That he was at every oh, presser, man. that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the accommodation. Presidential accommodation. One went off the mark. Somebody Miller, probably. How embarrassing. I mean, really, man? I mean, again, it, you could prove it's very easy. It, it, I don't know who gave it. Uh, yeah, but, you know, people will make up an, an, a story. There's probably some cute narrative about how it was all they play. You know, it's like, who, who knows? The point is, these people are all dishonest. And you can't even find, you know, 
The point is that th- this is the same person that initiated this from the very beginning. We have to remember that. Now, John Bowe points out something interesting, and this is just going off what Dr. Peter McCullough said, but realizing that this, this is what they're telling you is safe. And remember, my point in the beginning was that what we know is that this has been inferred from things that even before this were barely tested, and even then we knew were dangerous. And they're telling you, well, we know, we know this one's safe because the first thing said it, we, we told you it was safe back in the day. As he's saying, Pfizer XB15 monovalent vaccine tested in 20 mice. No control group, no humans. Emergency authorized granted with emergency for human data in regard to the under, for 11 down. Now, it says, at this point, Peter McCullough says, the American public and scientific community is flabbergasted at the complete regulatory malfeasance committed by the U.S. FDA and their group that, that confirms these things. I forget how that's the, the VRBPAC. I forget the full acronym. And the CDC panelists. As September 12, 2023, the prior bivalent has been retired. And But see, that's not even accurate. They're going to still sell it according to Walgreens, but it's going to come from private companies. And the new XBB15 monovalent vaccines have been emergency use authorized only for 11 under. The, from the Pfizer core slides released today, there was a single experiment with 10 mice assigned to the prior BA bivalent and 10 assigned to the, B, the XBB15. God. And they, they were injected twice, 21 days apart. The new booster was authorized. Never realize, guys, this is what they do every time. This, even with that much, that minimal information, you think they tested against a placebo? You'd be wrong. They use the bivalent shot because they tell you, well, we know that one's safe, so we compare it to a safe thing for the new one. It's not safe, though. Why, If it's safe and effective, why they pull it off the shelf and yank it within a day and get, leave you with nothing until the new one comes out? Actually, I think I didn't even show oh, it's over here. Here, the, the bivalent shot is right there. This is the one they're talking about, the new booster, and they, it's a net harm. According to the British Medical Journal, I'll come back to it. If you're testing something versus the older injection that is still being questioned by people, you are playing people, and you know that. You, and even if you think it's safe, you are the one admitting that it, ca- it causes myocarditis, or it can so at the very least, you are using something that will downplay what does happen with the one you're trying. They're trying to make it look less dangerous. It's a simple game, guys. It says the pseudoviral antibody responses for, were greater for the, va- the new vaccine against the outgoing SPV15 and the incoming EG5 strain, but no information was given about this new one, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if we, I trust anything they're saying anymore. I don't know why anybody would. He's just telling you what they, they're telling you outwardly from their minimal, very momentary study. Unbelievable. Now, here is what Mandy Cohen said as of, I think this was yesterday. She lies to you. Point blank lies to you. I thought I had that in there, actually. I I commented on it. Here's what she says. While we would all love to leave COVID-19 behind, the virus is still here and making some people very sick, especially older adults. The new... See the point? How many? One? One out of a million? That's two out of a million. That's some. That's all it takes, guys. It's making some people very sick. Okay, well, so is every other illness anywhere under the sun. Some, sure. So why is this one different? Because it's the one they're choosing to hype and focus on, right? I'm going to prove to you in a minute that what they're telling you are the dangerous things. Like for in the kids' conversation, it's less dangerous than the flu. But they're deciding to make it a hype more focus because they want the kids to get these shots. 
updated COVID-19 vaccine is the most effective way to give your body the ability to keep the COVID virus from causing you harm. Nope. And they know that's not true. Natural immunity is exponentially better, even according to their data. But you see, what they say is the risk of getting it is so severe that we don't want to, the argument that you should get sick to get the immunity is not fair. Well, we know that it's less than the flu. We know that this barely affects anybody. And the vaccine side effects are what they're framing in most cases. So really, it's a, it's a false narrative. This face, I tell you, this is so silly. Anyway. That's why CDC recommends everyone six months and older get one dose of the updated COVID-19 vaccine ahead of the fall and winter season. You see what she just did right there? You just conflated an emergency authorization for 11 down and a 12 plus approved false community approval. But the, the average mom doesn't know that. She just heard the CDC tell you they're good. So if you're here on the news, they approved it. And then you watch Mandy Cohen tell you they're ready for six months and older. You're going to rush to Walgreens. They're not going to tell you that. They don't tell you anything about these things other than stay here for 15 minutes, which is ridiculous. So that's a lie or a, an, a lie by omission because you want people to think that it's approved. That's what they did right in the beginning. Same thing. This recommendation was based on extensive data and clinical trials. False. She knows that. Here, here's the thing. Either she doesn't know that, and that's alarming more than anything, or she does, and she's blatantly lying to you. It's everybody seems to know this was not extensive. This was a rapid thing that they just they were just inserting a new genetic sequence. That's what they told you. No new safety testing. You have 50 mice, or what is it, 50 mice? No human, no human trials. But when you say extensive trials, the mom out there, the dad out there thinks it was studied. She's either a liar or too stupid to know. As a doctor, a mom, a wife, a daughter, and head of the CDC, I would not recommend anything to others that I wouldn't recommend for my own family. That's why my 9- and 11-year-old daughters, my husband, my parents, and I will all be rolling up our sleeves to get our updated COVID-19 vaccine. I encourage you to get your own updated COVID vaccine and make sure everyone in your family who's six months and older does so as well. Don't forget, it's also a good time to get your flu shot if you haven't already. Right. Check vaccines.gov to... Right. Well, they'll tell you to get them all at the same time, even though there's no data to back that up. These people are criminals, man. Or I, 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 Again, I genuinely think that they're putting forward people like this that believe that they're doing the right thing because they're too stupid to know. That's what I think. And I don't necessarily mean because she's not, apparently she's got credentials, but we know how that works today with how the, a lot of this stuff, overall, I believe we see that a lot today. But at some level, they're very aware that they're blatantly lying to you. And as I said, she is either lying or does not know she's lying, but you got to love the emotional ploy at the end, right? Well, since Mandy says she's a normie mom, just like you, go ahead and hurt your child with a dangerous untested gene therapy shot today. Hooray! Hashtag Mandy Wood. Of course, right? Because she is a normal mom, just like you. That's the point, guys. Now here, let's not forget, thank you, Kyle Bass, for, for reiterating this. We covered this when it first came out. This is how this expert decides the policy for you. I would call, probably the person I called most was the Secretary of Health and Human Services in Massachusetts. 
she worked for a Republican governor just to, um, but you know, when she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional um, uh, football? And I was like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, so, um, so uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. So, or, or I'd be like, so when are you going to think about lightening up a mess? They're like, they're like next Monday. I'm like, okay, next Monday. That is not somebody making choices. Even just the way that she speaks does not strike me as somebody intelligent. But that's my personal opinion. Sure, you can call me mean. I don't care. But the bottom line, that's alarming as hell. Hey, are you, are you going to go ahead and remove their rights? Oh, okay, I'll do it too. What? I just, <laughs> that's insulting. Here is Kathy Holtzel telling you, as usual, the loud part or the, the quiet part out loud. So they, they, like Gavin Newsom, she's the kind of person that just wants to be the face. She's a very petty person, in my opinion, and just you know, usually jumps out a little too early and screams the thing they probably all told they were supposed to say at some point. <laughs> so either way, here, I'll, I'll just let you listen to it. You don't rely on the fact that you had a vaccine in the past. It will not help you this time around. Oops. Oh, you mean the ones that you all screamed would be the one that, we, that from the very beginning up until the very last thing. Just, you know, take this one and you'll be good. Especially in the very beginning. Take this one shot, maybe two, and you'll be good forever. You won't go to the hospital. You won't get sick. We all heard that from Biden and from Maddow and all these ridiculous people that were screaming the lie. Now, for whatever reason they want to tell you, don't worry. It doesn't matter how you can have 47 shots in your body. You still need the new one. doesn't matter because it's not going to help you now. <laughs> you, should, you should feel really sheepish if you followed along this far. Please recognize you're being played and stop taking any more. It's not too late. It is not too late. You're not alone, and everybody else sees it, so just stop. You don't have to stand up and admit you were wrong. I, I, I would recommend that. It'll make you feel better, but just back away. Stop hurting you and your family with these dangerous things. Why would you take this now if a month later she's going to tell you, don't worry about the, the old ones won't help you now. Take the new one, because that's what's going to keep happening. Now, let's talk about some of the risks that we're currently seeing on top of everything else that we've continued to see. Alex Bernison shares this new unreported truths. The CDC just admitted the vast majority of people hospitalized for, not with, for COVID have been jabbed. Well, you know this because you've been watching the show from the very beginning. A lot of us have been pointing this out, including Alex. In the chart below, orange is unvaccinated. I'm going to show you these slides in a second where you can look at all these. Just so we're clear about this, guys. I mean, the point is that the vast majority of these people have some of these vaccines in their body. Now, what I've always pointed out in the past, the lighter orange or you know yellowish orange being updated bivalent, the reason that doesn't show as dangerous now is because people are still getting like it's like it's usually about a three month period past where we see these things as we've shown you, where your immune system really starts to collapse and that's where everything gets extra bad. So the people that are partially have stopped getting them because they probably got serious and then it gets worse and worse and worse. And so and when they get the new one, it max it somehow with this is, I don't know if it's the IgG four overlap or which part of this is causing this to sort of like give you a momentary like reprieve, but it gets worse every time. And all of that shows you this. So my point is, it's not that the bivalent any better because all the data points to the opposite. It's just that the timing will show you if we do this same data five months from now, it'll show you that the newer one is way less, way safer. And the bivalent seems to be the worst because it's a timing thing. And they know this and we've been brewing it from the very beginning. So they, their own data shows this. 
and I'm going to kind of give you a little thread here, and then I'll show you the slides themselves. He says, hey, and this, this is the same thing we just showed you. Here's the CDs, the, the Mandy Cohen saying, well, I'm a mother, and I wouldn't recommend anything for my family. I wouldn't recommend for you. It's like, why would anybody just buy that? That is emotional ploy. And he said, hey, CDC, you want to shoot yourself with all the mRNA in the world? That'd be my guess. But please don't put your children at risk for your political masters. I agree. CDC ex- d- director explains why you should get the latest COVID booster. He goes on to say, this is the CDC's own data showing vaccinated and boosted people were more likely to be hospitalized with the new Omicron variant. You know, the one that was designed to stop <laughs> than vaccinated pe- unvaccinated people. How much data do we need before people stop? I mean, this is the point, is that they're relying so desperately on the people that are still buying their narrative, even if they might have stopped the injection, that are still trusting the authority. There's enough of them, apparently, to point at them and say everybody thinks that, but it's not true. And, and that's why we're winning the narrative war right now. But the reality is the data is there. And until we get this last faction or break through the two-party paradigm, they're just going to keep going forward pretending like they have what they want. Their data shows you the thing that was designed directly for the BA45 Omicron variants are hurting them more. They're having more hospitalization. They're having more everything, just like we showed you from the very beginning. The unvaccinated, this is a pandemic of the injected, period. Then he says, well, this is landing hard, probably because it's so stunning. Yes, mRNA COVID vaccination raises a healthy adult's risk of being hospitalized. Now, my point on top of it is not just for Omicron. But the XBB, but for everything else too. Let's not forget that it increases your risk for cancers. It increases your risk for other respiratory viruses. It's for across the board because your immune system is the thing collapsing, which fights off everything. So it's not specific ultimately, and I think it would be for some things. But at the end of the day, it's just hurting your body in a general sense, which makes you more susceptible. That's why we're seeing RSV affect adults suddenly, and all these random things that were never there before. We're baffled by it. So it's just absolutely ridiculous. And lastly, he says again from the CDC's own data, 1 million RNA COVID shots for teens, get this, will prevent zero to one COVID deaths. A million shots for teens to stop maybe one death. And their own data shows that that will go on to cause up to 200,000 severe side effects. That's the reality. You can check it for yourself. This one was, oh, I think it was 60. I wrote it down. 65. So here's the one showing you the overall issues, essentially. And then this one is per million doses over six months. It's right there, as clear as possible. I just don't understand how that makes sense to anybody. Even if you want to pretend that it's stopping 100 hospitalizations, like if we, and again, this goes right to the main point about this. If what, this is the same thing we're talking about. Because you realize they're not doing this on the XBB dose. They're talking about the bivalent shot. And what they're showing you is that it takes a million doses to stop one death. And then that data looked at by the BMJ is showing you that it, all, it causes a hell of a lot more than that. To prevent one hospitalization, this takes, it says up to 42,000 young adults taking three shots each. That is, that is expected to cause 18.5 serious adverse events. Death, hospitalization, serious disability. 18.5 to maybe stop one hospitalization. To maybe stop one death. <laughs> I Speechless. Almost. I mean, that's just unbelievable. 
And then on top of that, let's again reiterate the fact that if you, that's not just now, by the way, right? That's the current shot. You can go all the way back to the very beginning. And that's what we keep showing you. The I, or this is Peter Doshi, actually, British Medical Journal senior editor, and many other experts broke down the phase three data from Pfizer in the very beginning and Moderna. And guess what? As you all have seen a hundred times, the Pfizer trial exhibited 36% higher risk of death, hospitalization, or disability in the vaccine group compared to not taking it. The Moderna trial exhibited a 6% higher risk than not taking it. How is that safe and effective? If you're at more risk than not taking it, because they're going to go, oh, but COVID's so dangerous. But that's also not true, as we know. Less than the flu. At a global level, pre-vaccination could have been as low as 0.03 for under 59, 0.07 or 69. That's 94% of the population. That's pre-vaccination, which now they're telling you it's less, not as dangerous. And the data shows you that too. We were lied to. It's from the very beginning all the way to now. They all know that something very, very, very dark is happening. <clears throat> and also, let's not forget. Oh, and, and like these are all the slides if you want to go through it for everything he was referencing. It's the CDC's own PowerPoint presentation. Retsev Levy also points out, as we've shown you before. Oh, wait, I did this last time too. Anyway, let's see. This one, maybe? Yeah, this is the one. Just I just like to show you his tweet because that's where I first saw it. And that he's, he's an MIT expert, so he's, he's not someone to dismiss. And he's telling you the study that we go over in this discussion right here. Study finds mRNA platform itself is driving myocarditis. He's saying that this is showing you that this, the, the, the platform itself might be the very problem. So all that's, be, all that's to say that ultimately, whether or not they change this, it's still the overall delivery system of lipid nanoparticles mRNA that are causing people to get very sick and possibly die. Now, after all of that, and again, you guys know I could go on for the next 45 hours with all the things that we've seen with just peer-reviewed science that show you this stuff is super dangerous from the very beginning, in fact. And you realize that if, if it was that easy, if we were all just a bunch of conspiracy theorists in our mother's basement screaming about fake information, you'd think it would be really simple to break this down, right? But let me show you the best they can do right now. So you realize we're, we're broken. We're showing you peer-reviewed science that says this thing's hurting people. And instead of saying, they're making that up, it's completely fake. Here's all the evidence that shows it's completely safe. In fact, they're not doing that. Here's what they actually keep doing. This is the best they can do using complete theories about things that could be, who knows, but that were never verified, never proven, and no real big, you know, real, real, no researcher that was being objective and genuinely trying to get, break down the truth is still saying that they're causing you to be magnetic or co- there's microchips in the jack. No, anybody honest is saying certainly possible. I wouldn't put it past them, but at the same time saying, well, we can't prove that. But yet what they do and they try to make you got people like what we're doing look ridiculous is they lean into that. They lean into that one Facebook post with six shares. There's oh, this is what they all think and realize that is desperation. That's the best they can do. Well, we're saying it's causing death and hospitalization and, you know, just lymphocytopenia and all the different things, you know, uh, thrombocytopenia and all the different things we're proving with peer-reviewed science. This is what they're telling you we're all saying. The vaccine injects you with a microchip that connects to 5G. It's something you might have heard from that friend of yours who does their own research. Well, according to real research, sadly, at this stage, the thing COVID vaccines actually do is potentially save your life. I know, boring. 
Secondly, even if it were true, as far as side effects go, you could do a lot worse than faster internet. Incidentally, if you're trying to scare people from getting vaccinated, the side effect you make up should be awful, not freaking amazing. Truth is, the chances of turning into a one-person 5G tower from getting a vaccine are zero. Except for the fact that they've done numerous studies on exactly how to accomplish that, and there's research they've been doing with all the people that literally, in part, co-founded Moderna to actually make that happen. But, you know, it's completely baseless and fake. The point is that nobody is arguing who is honest they can prove that right now, unless they see something that I don't. But the idea is something that they have actually tried to make happen in studies, in longer-term research. Is that what's in the COVID vaccine? I'm not going to say that. But my point is, this is the best they can do. Are, and um, are we going to pretend that... Fi- See, this whole thing about the 5G overlap is a deliberate sidestep. Because, yes, there's an overlap. And there's obviously an overlap with the, with the side effects that we've shown you. Not to say that I've ever proven that there's a connection. But there's been peer-reviewed studies that broke down how the side effects of COVID-19 are weirdly almost identical to... 5G poisoning. I showed you the peer-reviewed study. Again, I'm not going to say that means that there's an obvious connection. That's something that we should honestly consider. But to come out and make fun of it like this, to dismiss it like you're just a complete ridiculous person is desperation. Why wouldn't they make a video making fun of myocarditis? Why wouldn't they make a video making fun of how your immune system's collapsing? Isn't that what we're actually saying? Because they know they can't make fun of that. This is the best they can do. The chances of getting a post-vaccine chuppa-chuppa, however, extremely high. Right, 5G expert Mike Wood? Right, Mark. Only these towers will connect you to 5G. Except for the fact that they've already rolled out ones that are on the corners that we just showed you that are not even noticeable. But yeah, show that big, gigantic old tower that you want people to think that they still are. Even the 5G chief investigator, I guess, got that wrong. Well done, sir. (gasps) He certainly likes a chuppa-chuppa. But look, this conspiracy theory is like an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's hard to know where to start, but let's try starting with this. The vaccine obviously does not contain a microchip. The vaccine is like a bathroom visit during gastro. Pure liquid. Oh, is it now? This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. See, this is just the narrative that they want you to understand. Well, yeah, just because it's liquid doesn't mean that it's not full of nanotechnology, which it literally is. And I don't mean bots necessarily. I mean lipid nanoparticles, mRNA gene therapy instructions. These things are not just some benign liquid. But this is the kind of thing that they're doing. This is for the people that need to laugh at you to make them feel like they made the right choice. That's what all this is. And again, I keep saying it. It's desperate. This is not a way to win over anybody other than the people that you might already be losing that were already on your side. Also, your body cannot power a microchip. Trust me, I've tried. Except that is provably false, and I've shown you that 50,000 times. That there are literally mu chips that can run on your, own, on your body's own energy. But, you know, because that sounds crazy to people that don't know that science that's been around since the year 2000, that will just pretend it's fake because that will help them laugh at you. While we're at it, getting vaccinated will not make you magnetic. I mean, some people may find you more attractive. Which, by the way, is literally false because they have studies where they're actually using magnogenetics. You see, these people are ridiculous. But see, the point is they want you to go fake and prove it because then they'll act like you're a conspiracy theorist. But it's not important right now. The bottom line is we've already gone over all this research. Peer-reviewed science has been done for a decade that has been using that exact type of technology to accomplish some kind of end. Using light, using magnet, magnet, mag, excuse me, magnon genetics, using, I think it was the other one, light pulses. There's all sorts of different things, and that was one of them. It's very real. And yes, it does have some sort of overlapping effect. I'm not saying that was in this injection, but it certainly could have been. 
But you see, this is the kind of stuff. I mean, I think you get the point. This is the best they can do. Please take that win, guys. You deserve it. And as Jicky Leaks points out, bingo. Oh, this person first says on this whole discussion. That said, injected 5G nanobots, BS, also dilutes legitimate criticism of the 5G network. It's kind of what I was saying. I'm wary of claims that enable self-driving cars and all this other stuff. But this person is saying, bingo, the seeding of 5G stories into anything about vaccines allowed for the suppression of any legitimate questions over 5G rollout, which, by the way, I showed you happened under Trump's administration. The massive 5G rollout happened while Trump was initiating the emergency and they rolled out 5G while nobody was paying attention. That was my first video to ever get over a million views and was one of the reasons my first channel got deleted. Even though I never tried to overlap it with what was happening with COVID, I just simply said while COVID was happening, Trump rolled out 5G and they clearly did not want you to know that. That's why people like us get censored, the real people that get censored. 5G is a high-speed wireless technology, absolutely essential, it says, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> if you want a mass surveillance network, which, by the way, incidentally, is exactly what they are actively working on building. And whether that overlaps with the injection is up for you to decide. I don't know why that wouldn't at some point, but that's my personal opinion. But isn't that interesting? The best they can do. Well, let's talk about some of the lies they've already sold you that we've already proven were correct that are now coming to fruition. A lot of them, in fact. And this is one, by the way, that re- thank you. I'm glad Dr. Malone just pointed this out because the study that needs to get more attention, it's one that we've been showing you since April 2022 when it came out. And you remember, po- quote, post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased incident of neither of either one of them. Simple as that. Malone points out, because of what Fauci just said publicly, which I think I actually have at the end over here, he now admits that they caused myocarditis. You know, the thing that they lied about, that they told you you were wrong about, they said you were a fake news misinformation spreader because you said it was possible. In fact, I got my my Patreon deleted because of that very overlap. Not saying it happened everywhere, but saying that it was simply possible. And Patreon said that's medical misinformation. Isn't it interesting how much has changed? Well, the fact was you could prove it then, and we did. I'm just so glad people have finally got to the point where we can acknowledge that with each other. But he's saying Fauci lied because this study. So good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're finally getting this out there. Let people see this because it's important. And and the point is, it's a large population-based study in Israel, mind you, which is one of the most, they even called it Pfizer's lab. Don't forget, because it was one of the best places to study based on only taking the shot and the control group. And here you go. They found that it did not cause either. We did not observe an increase of either of these in people recovering from COVID. What do you know? Here's another one, by the way. Oh, wait, did I do... Did I close something? Shoot, I think I might have accidentally closed the tab here. Oh, well. Dang it. Well, I was going to... Hmm. Maybe it was from this. I forget. Well, in any case, let me reiterate the Cochrane review, just since I have it up. The, the important study about masks, because masks are one of the other ones we're seeing flip-flop right now. Just in case you don't remember. And guys, the Cochrane review, it, it was so embarrassing how the corporate media really tried to act like this was somehow fake news. It's just, it's it, like, like with the British Medical Journal. It breaks the story about Brack, Brooke Jackson. And they become a health blog, according to people in the corporate media. One of the most respected medical journals on the planet becomes a health blog because one thing they say, I mean, it's just so inherently stupid. And I don't, I think that's what woke a lot of people up, in fact. But this is what 
The Cochrane Review, which is also one of the most highly regarded platforms in regard to medical information, says we included 11 new random controlled trials. That brings the total number of 78 random controlled trials. But let's make sure we listen to that Fauci study that's an observational one that he says he likes, right? Because that's what he's actually saying. Because, you know, but we're cherry picking, right? Here's 78 random controlled trials. Now nah, I like the observational one, but we're cherry picking. It says they included 12 trials, 10 clustered random controlled trials comparing medical and surgical, and they found that wearing them community probably makes little to no difference on the outcome of influenza-like illness. But Ryan, influenza-like illness is not COVID-like, except they also now say, and COVID-like. <laughs> My point is always that I remember in the beginning when I was saying ILI, influenza-like illness, and the people were like, you're not a scientist. That didn't say COVID, so you're wrong. No, and the point was the same. They used influenza-like illness as a general respiratory discussion, and now COVID is included in that, and they even put and COVID-like illness because that's always been included. And the point was, they make little to no difference compared to wearing, not wearing masks at all. And wearing masks in the community probably, and another study with basically the same findings, made little to no difference when laboratory confirmed SARS-CoV-2. Harms were rarely measured and poorly reported. Big surprise. The pooled trials comparing N95s to surgical masks found the same. We're very uncertain on the effects of these respirators compared with surgical masks and the outcome of clinical illness. The use of these respirators compared with medical surgical masks probably makes little or no difference for the objective. The point is the same, just like we, shocking, have been telling you since 2020. Harms were poorly measured and and poorly measured and reported. Very simple. There is uncertainty around the effects of face masks in general. I know, it's amazing. How could we have possibly known when all of established science was a- unable to see through? Because we are in a massive control, control of information, control of everything. They've been spending decades buying off institutions, con- putting people in place that would say what they want. It's not because we're any more intelligent or insightful. It's just simply because we're honest and able to look at the information with an open mind. Now, here is what he was saying. In the beginning, there's two of these. Remember the one where the guy talks about, he goes, no, you shouldn't do that. And you should, well, here's another one saying the same thing. So it's amazing that he was reasonably consistent about not wearing masks until suddenly they decided to lie to you. And they all went forward saying masks are the only thing you should ever wear forever for the rest of your life. Prevent getting an infectious disease and having to have you as my doctor is what? Um, Wearing a mask. No, um, no, no. Only you do that. <laughs> you, um, if somebody's, I can see they're getting ready to sneeze or cough, you, walk away. You avoid all the paranoid aspects and okay. do something paranoid. positive. A, good diet. B, you don't smoke, I know. I know you don't drink, at least not very much, so that's pretty good. Get some exercise. I know that you don't get as much exercise as yes, you should. That's correct. Get good sleep. I think the, the normal, low-tech Healthy things are the best thing that you can do, David, is stay Right. So a mask in 2019 was paranoid to Fauci. And lo and behold, it was sunlight and exercise and healthy foods. It's weird how all of that advice just vanished in the face of the mRNA gene therapy. That's pretty alarming. Kevin Bass points this out, as well as the next one from Dr. Eli David, where we step into the current times. Where You already saw this, but just very quickly where he's confronted with the fact that he's being, but the Cochrane review says, you're wrong, Fauci, that there's just no evidence they stopped masks at all. Perception out there by many, how many, I don't know, that they don't work and that the data concludes that they didn't work in the first go round. Respond to that on masks. Yeah, well, that's not so. I mean, when you're talking about at the population level, 
that the data are less strong than knowing that if you look on a situation as an individual protecting themselves or protecting them from spreading it, there's no doubt that masks work. Different studies give different percentages of advantage of wearing it, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies, and there have been many studies, indicate the benefit of wearing masks. It's absolute nonsense. And I'll, I mean, I've proven this already, but he is literally trying to make some weird divisive argument that confuses the average person. That's all it is. The data is clear. I mean, you don't you don't need just the Cochrane view and nobody should rely on just one massive study. But if you needed one to be something, I mean, that's one of the most sound, high level studies, peer reviewed, random controlled trials, combination meta analysis of 78 random controlled trials. But apparently that's not enough for Fauci. He likes to point to the observational ones that say what he likes again. But we're cherry picking. That's what's actually happening. And the idea of the personal versus the I mean, he's every doctor I've talked to said that's absolute nonsense. I'm not even talking about people that are some of these people are, are still on the on the fence about the injections. And they'll tell you that he's lying about that. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? He is not happy about that. He's not, I don't, Fauci's not used to getting this kind of pushback. Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael. That wow. Yeah, we already played this. We don't need to go over it all. Oh, there's other studies, though. <laughs> right? So such a complete shutdown from one of the leading groups in scientific publications who, con who combined 78 random controlled trials and literally says so strongly that they made no difference and that anybody saying otherwise is relying on false information. I mean, my God. And of course, as he laughs about Fauci, masks are effective at the individual level, but not at the population level. He says, how did this clown ever finish medical school? And then again, the follow up where he then goes on to try to say that what they're saying is misleading. And the guy and the Cochrane review basically calls him out even further. Now, I don't want to go over this in depth. We already did this in a previous episode. I actually have this here for you to watch if you want to watch over this clip that Brock made about this, this overall point. But what he says here is important. So Fauci's here doubling down, saying that the analysis from Cochrane was misleading. And he says, it's odd that Fauci says the Cochrane review is misleading because it included studies showing masks didn't work against the flu. When ex experts and the media reportedly told us that the flu disappeared during COVID because of masking. What a great point. This is what it looks like to lie about everything. And then, of course, this, I've said this many times over this illusion. If you lie about everything, at some point you're going to contradict a previous lie because you have to, you're stepping in that direction. So here he's trying to argue that no, no, because of the mask overlap. But the point is that they just told you that the reason flu in a way was because of the mask. It contradicts the whole point. But on top of that, this is what I was just saying before. 
the overlap of influenza-like illness and pretending like it doesn't apply because it doesn't say the word COVID is meant to be deceptive. And he, and, and if we're currently using the overlap of ILI and COVID-like illness, then obviously before ILI meant that too. A respiratory overlap. Even if you don't believe any of that, the fact is the body of evidence is shockingly clear. And this guy just keeps lying about it. Now, Jimmy Dore posted one I hadn't seen. This is from cityjournal.org, the article about it. <clears throat> but it says, a new study suggests that the excess carbon dioxide breathed in by wet mask wearers can have major health consequences. Oh, my God, breaking news. Where have we heard this before? This is one of the earliest things that we were shouting, we were screaming about. It was one of the most obvious issues, and it was one of the first things that was laughed aside by all of the new talking head news experts. Who said, look at this weird thing about the, you know, people doing their vaping and out the side of the mat. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. And they dismissed it all. Because why? Well, the CDC said you should wear cloth masks. So they didn't even care what you said. They just go, that's fake because CDC said so. Ask Kareen. Kareen, KJP will tell you all day long. Because the CDC said so. The point is, guys, the science is very clear before COVID-19. And even most of the peer-reviewed studies during COVID-19 found obviously the most common sense thing you could imagine. Yeah, it dramatically increased your carbon dioxide. Of course, you know, this is, we're talking uh, uh, hypercapnia, hypoxia, right? Both, both are overlapping. One is too much carbon dioxide in your blood. The other one's a lack of oxygen. And the point is these are all being proven by peer-reviewed science long before COVID if you wear these things too long. And here's what a peer-reviewed study from uh, Cell Press, by the way, Cell is the place, this is 2023, by the way, is where Fauci publishes articles saying that the vaccine structure didn't work, but they're still doing it anyway. Here's what it says. During the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, face masks have become one of the most important ubiquitous factors affecting human breathing. But see, what they're saying is not that it helps, but affecting human breathing. It increases the resistance and dead space volume leading in re- to, in, to a rebreathing of CO2. So far, this phenomenon and possible implications on early life has not been evaluated in depth. This is scathing, guys. It says, as part of the scoping review, literature was systematically reviewed regarding CO2 exposure and face mask use. use. Results. Fresh air has around 0.04% CO2 while wearing masks more than five minutes bears a possible chronic exposure to carbon dioxide of 1.41% to 3.2% of the inhaled air. Now, the argument would be that wearing this for surgery for an hour might be more important to stop blood and spit from flying into the open wound, which is all it's ever been necessary for based on everything pre-COVID. And they might argue that that's, that's, I'm, it's, it's my job to take that risk because this is important for them, not for you. So that's why that might make sense. But the point is, when they started being told to wear these things their entire shift all throughout the time at the hospital, that was never happened before this. And any, any honest doctor was telling you that. What the study is finding is that wearing it for five minutes can increase a chronic exposure level of carbon dioxide. Now I ask you why that child was, de- was dropped dead while running a mile in China. Or any number, a number of other examples of children passing out or people passing out in front of on TV wearing these masks or that woman that was screaming up mask mandates at the school and almost passed out while doing it. It says, although the buildup is usually within the short-term exposure limits, long-term exceedances and consequences must be considered due to experimental data. U.S. Navy toxicity experts 
not conspiracy theorists, set the exposure limit for submarines carrying a female crew to 0.08 CO2 based on animal studies, which indicated an increased risk of stillbirths. Think about that. And that's at a 0.8. Realize the number we're talking about here, up to 3.2% in your mask. It says, additionally, mammals who were chronically exposed to 0.3 CO2. So what that means is, you know, if we're talking 0.14 being the, the, high, the chronic exposure, the level, what they're saying is ex- chronically exposed to a 0.3 level. So all day long at a 0.3 level is how I would take that. The experimental data demonstrate a teratogenicity with irreversible neuron damage in the offspring. Reduced spattle learning caused by brainstem neuron apoptosis and reduced circulating levels of the insulin-like growth factor one. They're talking about children or newborns or pregnant women. And the reality being that this has always been the case. Think about what just happened to the population over three years. And, And then ask yourself, the stillbirths, the neonatal deaths in Scotland and everywhere else in the world that had a high vaccination rate, Well, maybe it also had something to do with the masks. I can almost guarantee it did. Because people that have a high vaccination rate are probably also wearing masks. He says, with significant impact on three readout parameters, the chronic 0.3 CO2 exposure has to be defined as being toxic, according to this peer-reviewed study in 2023. Additional data exists on the exposure of chronic 0.3 CO2 in adolescent mammals causing neuron destruction, which includes less activity, increased anxiety, and impaired learning. What do you know? All the things that they try to force on you during COVID-19. And the reality being that almost every single thing they pushed weirdly seems to have a direct effect on reproductivity, fertility, and offspring. What do you know? Oh, and, and memory. It affects your memory too. There's also data indicating testicular toxicity, another way it affects fertility and reproductivity, in adolescents. How much you want to bet that in some way affects the the Overlap with endocrine disrupting chemicals and that whole conversation. And it says, and CO, at CO2 inhalation, concentrations above 0.5. Again, what we're experiencing right now that they're telling you based on their study is a chronic exposure level of 0.4, 0.1.41% 1. to 3.2. That's what they're telling you. That's way past the level that they just told you is causing tes- testicular toxicity. It says there is a possible negative impact risk by imposing extended mask mandates, especially for vulnerable subgroups. You know, the ones that you told should wear it more than anybody. Circumstantial evidence exists that extended mask use may be related to current observations of stillbirths and to reduced verbal, motor, and overall cognitive performance in children born during the pandemic, which we're seeing. So one of the arguments is the masks put on the children in and of themselves are causing these lack of ability to engage with, you know, using facial cues and so on. But it very well could have been the baby inside the mother's stomach while she wore a mask that causes this long-term lasting effect. Or they, they wore it while they were a baby and that caused them to have that problem. A need exists to reconsider mask mandates. My God. My point about this, whether mask mandates come back or not, these people need to be criminally held accountable for what they did to a population. This data, guys, is not new. Nothing has changed. This is only backing up what we were saying in 2020 based on peer-reviewed science before the pandemic, the illusion of it. Thank you, Jimmy, for sharing that. And guess what? In Canada, it seems that they might be coming back anyway. Here is their public health officer, Teresa Tam, saying might be time to get your mask ready.
as a follow-up and sorry to cut you off but i just wanted to take note you're all you're all masking which is lovely to see of course but most government ministers are are not now most mps are not most people on the street are not masking is is there any specific guidance on that going forward at, at this point Yes, Theresa Tam. So um, it is a layer of protection. We hope people have developed the habit to be able to use masks as needed during the respiratory virus season. Not Even though they're not helping you, they're not effective, not statistically significant, reducing transmission, and they're hurting you in a lot more ways than what I just showed you. They don't work against what they're telling you it works for, and it has a lot of deleterious effects. And they're still telling you to wear them. Does she know that? Who knows? Does it matter? Yeah, because she's making you do it. There's legal accountability there. My point, though, is that oh, there's levels of people that don't even know they're wrong. They're so blindly adhering to authority that they're doing it anyway. Either way, guys, these people need to be criminally accountable for what they're doing to children and to everybody else. Just for COVID, for, for the, all the other um, respiratory pathogens. Right. That will... so, now, so you get it? Now, masks, they want you to wear masks all the time. Flu and colds and everything. Anything that, and the, the point is that is... When this first started, we made you that point. We said, this is not just about COVID. Why, with the lack of evidence, would they suddenly extrapolate this out to some other thing that we never did before this? You realize that there is not evidence that makes sense of that. The evidence proves to you that they don't have an effect. And so they even just went further on the back of no more evidence. In fact, the awareness that there's no evidence. <laughs> it's the desperation. I don't even know be transmitted around this time. So I do think now is the time to get your masks ready if you don't already have them. Uh Lovely. Yeah, the, my opinion is that they're going to push this back at some point. And again, on top of all of it, don't, again, Fauci admits that COVID vaccines do cause more. It's a thing that we all know. The thing that they've all grudgingly had to admit a very, 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 very minor risk. No, it's actually one in 35, but you, whatever. <laughs> you know, they just constantly roll this out. It's the game we told you in the very beginning. We're being lied to. They know they're lying. And it's about stretching out, removing liability, and tricking you into the next agenda. Now, if you want to watch more on that in general, here's the clip about Fauci's empire of lies collapses. It's a good clip. But let's talk about children for a minute. There's two last things we want to talk about. Now, this is probably going to be longer. We got quite a ways to go for Dave. Probably going to go past three hours because I have a clip that I'm going to play at the end. Probably all the way through from, from David Martin. It's really important. But first, let's talk about children. Another clip from the TV today in regard to the risk that children have. Yeah, that's coming back, if you can believe that. So... We're being told that this thing is less dangerous than it's ever been. Like whether they say that explicitly or you go to the data or the lack of cases or whatever else it is, it's less dangerous. They could say more contagious, but less trans more transmissible, but less dangerous or whatever. That's how these tend to go anyway, if it's even actually there. So it's less dangerous by all accounts. And if there was barely any kids affected in the beginning, why would we pretend that suddenly this is surging to affect children? They're literally now telling you this is a one of top one of a top of top ten. How am I saying that correctly? It is in the top ten most dangerous things for children. That's actually what they're trying to say right now, with a with, with something that was less dangerous than the flu to begin with, and now less dangerous than it ever was. And they want you to give them something that is super dangerous. That has, I mean, I mean, it's just I don't I don't have to repeat all the same things. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Put a mask on them, even though it hurts them. Give them a shot, even though it kills them. And they're not in danger in the first place. But here's what the news will tell you. Though COVID is one of the 10 leading causes of death among children, the booster can protect children. And new research shows it can prevent serious symptoms of long COVID. 
It's I know it's super low, so I'll try. I'm I'm gonna let it play out. Go ahead and turn your volume up. I won't speak until I'll give you a second to turn it back down. Well, COVID is one of the ten leading causes of death among children. The booster can protect children, and new research shows it can prevent serious symptoms of long COVID as well. Well, the Tennessee Titans are offering flu vaccines to football fans. So starting September 17th, Ascension St. Thomas will offer flu vaccines to all guests. All right, I'm coming back, so turn your volume down. So the main points here. First of all, take notice of the, the, the football. Just like you said in the beginning, it's a different way to use them. But you're using these sports games and these different people to trick people into wanting to do it. Well, if they're giving away the game, it must be okay. Remember in the beginning, you said, well, we're going to pretend that they got it first because, well, they're going to make people think they should get it. We're, they're still trying to play you right now. But so you're not, now you're going to tell me that this thing is... The what was it again? Symptoms of long COVID. Oh, that this new injection reduces the symptoms of long COVID. So what you're really doing is making a you're telling people to take an injection that stops them that helps reduce their vaccine side effects. You can keep calling it long COVID all you want. The the, the peer reviewed science is blatantly clear. So it stops COVID vaccine symptoms, and that children are at severe risk of dying because of this. That's that's the the, the gist of it. And go to your local football stadium to get your injection, even though. They don't have any things to help you while you're there, right? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I actually would take that back. I'm probably willing to bet you they have a lot of the things they would need or maybe all of them because they're high tech and whatever else. But just realize you're going to be at a stadium full of people and you're, and you're going to get an injection. Now, let's not forget what, what was happening in the very beginning of this that we need to reflect on now because of how dismissive everybody was in the beginning. Here's another video from a Derna site that was giving these in a parking lot. Do you remember this? where the kid was literally passing out and they had to shake him awake while he was in his car seat. Then they proceed to try to roll a seat back, which you never do when someone passes out, right? Because they could vomit and choke on it. But yeah, but get him out of the view so nobody else sees that he's about to die. So I'm not taking that shit. Oh my God. These people just waiting in line. As this kid, like, dies next to them in the car. That's crazy. And then he comes back, too, and then passes out again. My God. My God. Right. That, that's where we are. That's, that's starting all over again. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, reduces long COVID symptoms, right? Well, let's talk about children for a second. One in ten. That's one of the top ten issues for children. Actually, I thought I had the, uh, just in case I didn't include it. Where is it? There it is. Just in case you guys want the studies. To be clear, again, I'm not suggesting that they're, that all of what they call long COVID is only psychosomatic. I argue, I quite frankly think it's predominantly vaccine side effects. But that there is some overlap to people that are just psychosomatic about it. Like they're so paranoid about all this. They get a common cold or they just whatever else. And that's what these two studies find. Another peer-reviewed study. Either way, the point is the peer-reviewed science does not tell you that it has anything to do with COVID. It says that another study finds that long COVID is largely psychosomatic. The newest study finds that long COVID is associated with factors other than SARS-CoV-2 infection, including psychological factors. And then that's a part of it. And there's both of them are peer reviewed. You can read them right there. And on top of that, it is that they are just vaccine side effects being recategorized as something else like 
uh, uh, SIDS and SADS and, and MISC and you know all these different things that are just catch-alls, literally for things that you can look up, and that's, that catch-all means we don't know what it is. You're making an entire catch-all of all like, hundreds, all these, all these kids that are randomly dying, weirdly in correlation to a vaccine they've gotten, but we don't know. We're confused. Sudden adult, sudden infant death syndrome. We have no idea. That's what that is. It's, it's very easy to prove. But let's talk about this exact point. So just first point, this is from uh, the AAP.org, just with some, some data. And what it's telling you is that uh, as of May 11th, 2023, so this year, as of May, nearly 15.6 million children were reported to have been tested positive for COVID. So we all know very well that means probably half of them aren't actually testing positive. But you guys can, let's just pretend that it's 15 million, okay? But either way, the bottom line is that they're telling you all these kids got po- tested positive or that they died, they got hospitalized, when in reality, I'll prove to you in a minute, We've had 15 examples of how we've already been shown that they lie about that, that they've had to roll back these numbers or that they're bloating these based on from and not for or not. They're 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 hospitalized with COVID, not from COVID, right? That kind of game. But so 15.6 million. Okay. now based on Statista in the data, number of coronavirus deaths. Again, again, this is just, we're just taking it at face value. I'm not implying that all of those are, most of them are probably not even related, but it's saying that as of June 14th, 2023, so May and June, so it's pretty close. The point is 160 or 1,642 deaths. Do you know what that breaks down to? 15.6 million cases, and it's under 17. That is 0.01% infection fatality rate. 0.01, that's less than the flu, dramatically. Now, in fact, 0.01, realize that puts you less than what they're telling you right here. That's pre-vaccination global risk for under 59. Up here, by the way, on the peer review data that's showing you this is the real accurate number, that it's actually 0.0003% under 19. That's the Ioannidis group. That is the standing, most, most uh, the largest peer-reviewed study on this topic. But either way, taking their own data, mind you, how are we going to pretend that 0.01% infection fatality rate is somehow a leading cause of death for children? That's pretty stupid. We got a lot, there's a lot more to make on this point. But let's talk about this. There's 73 million children in the United States. So 73 million. There's two ways to look at it, first of all. So realize if we're talking about infection fatality rate, you take the cases right? How many people have gotten diagnosed with this illness and then how many died, right? So that's all. And then of course, there's the case fatality rate, which I don't think anybody should use quite frankly. And there are uses for it, but the infection fatality rate is the, is the reality. How many die, right? And so the point is that's pretty simple to do, but there's other numbers that I'm seeing them kind of conflate with this when they try to pretend that it's super dangerous. So you've got 73 million children in the United States, right? So, oh, oh, by the way, and here's the CDC or excuse me, CNN, same thing, saying COVID-19 has become the eighth most common cause of death among children. They literally said this back in January 30th of this year. So let's look at that study. Here's the study for you. Same thing, January 30th. Now, by the way, this doesn't make that argument. At least I don't think it says. I tried to find it in there. I Full transparency, didn't read the whole thing. I have before, but today I didn't. But I went through and tried just the main parts of it. But ultimately, that's the point is not whether or not they argue it's the eight leading cause of death. The point is that the numbers do not back that up. 
Now it says, COVID-19 was the underlying cause of death for more than 940,000 individuals in the United States. The point is, during this time period for the study, which is August 1st, 2021 to July 31st, 2022. Okay, so it says, include on top of that, or rather including in the 940,000 in that year period, almost a year period, or a little bit more than a year period, it says that includes 1,289 children and young people from 0 to 19, with at least 821, and then CYP was, uh, where was it again? Where was it? Come on, dang it, where it is. Uh, young people, uh, children and young people. So I just want to make sure I had it exact. So children and young people. So what it's saying is 821 children and young people deaths occurring within the one-year period. It says because deaths among U.S. in that category are rare, the morbidity burden of COVID-19 in, in, those, in that category is best understood in the context of all other causes of death. But yes, but see, this is how you kind of make manipulate this, right? So according to the study, Essentially, if you're using the amount of deaths in total, not the cases you understand, and then comparing and then dividing into about the children, what you're looking at is sort of a broader number. And I don't know why you would take one year period. Why wouldn't in that year period, why wouldn't you compare it to cases and say this is how many kids got this illness and here's how many died? Because that would give you the real impression of how dangerous it actually is, right? Because the deaths here are more than likely, and you can actually prove it in the, in the methods, that are people that were in the hospital that were tested while they were there with a broken leg, let's say, right? And the point is then maybe died from sepsis, sepsis, the broken leg. And they say COVID-19 because that is what they did. They admitted that. They said if it was a secondary illness, like a pneumonia, well, they're going to say COVID did it because they, that's not how it used to be. They used to go, they, what actually caused the death, whether or not there was something that led to that. And down here it says, there, are, there were 821 COVID-19 deaths among individuals 0 to 19 during the study period. So I just want to point out that it's very different to compare the total number of deaths and then the children that died within that number as opposed to the actual risk to the children, if you get my point. So here's what it says right on the UNICEF as of December 2023. Or excuse me, next update, as of March 2023. That makes sense. So it says, among 4.4 million and this is around the world, 4.4 million COVID deaths. Oh, I forgot to say in general for my numbers that even taking this number though, going back to this, even though I don't think that's the, the kind of picture that people are saying it is, that still amounts to 0.1%, right? So you take that number and you divide it by that's 0.1%. That is the flu. So even using that number, which is not an infection fatality rate, that puts it at the risk of a flu. So I still don't understand how you can argue this means the eighth leading cause of death. That's just a, a game of statistics like we keep telling you they're doing. But at 4.4 million deaths around the world, a, a, a reported to in the uh, MPIDR coverage database, 0.4%, which is at, what's, we, what's weird is that's actually 17,600. I don't know why that's 200 shy. If you just do the basic math, it comes out to 17,600. Occurred in children between 20 years of age, under 20 years of age. Okay, so that ends up being, if you just take that number, that number of total COVID deaths, which we, by the, by the way, know are wildly overshot, and compare that to the number of children they claim died, again, which we also know is wildly overshot, which I'll prove to you right now after this, 
and just do that comparison, that comes out to 0.4%, which is twice the risk of a, of a dangerous flu. But again, I don't think that's an accurate view of what we're talking about. Because what's interesting here, 20 years old is not a, chi- not a child, first of all. But what's weird, check this out, to the next data point, it says, of these 17,600, again, which is what it actually breaks down to, reported in those under 20, weirdly enough, 53% occurred between 10 and 19, right? So weirdly enough, you get this weird gap where there's this one, you know, just 20 and then underneath where it just, it's a weird focus. But if you break down these numbers and it says 47% under 0.9, the point is that it goes all the way down to basically 0.2 and 0.18, again, which is the flu. And that's not even infection fatality rate. That's based on the percentage of death of the total number of deaths, which I quite frankly think is a little bit deceiving. But let me show you why all of this is a, a moot point. This is from May 19, 2021. From, the, from Newsweek. Studies suggest child hospitalization numbers from COVID are inflated. This is just hospitalization, but it's the same in every category. It says two studies, two new studies from hospital pediatrics have concluded that COVID-19 hospitalizations among children have been inflated by at least 40%. It's just amazing that we can even pretend these numbers are accurate today. The papers published on Wednesday found that pediatric hospitalizations were grossly overcounted or, you know, lied about in California hospitals and infectious disease experts predict the findings to be reflective of other hospitals across the country. Now, why would they say that? And we know why, guys, because they're either deliberately using broad numbers because they want to be extra safe, and that's not, but even like that's the point they made at the beginning. We're just being super liberal with the numbers because we want to make sure we don't miss anything. Well, fine, do that then. Well, you can't then pretend that number represents the full picture because you just told us you're probably sweeping in things or you're knowingly sweeping in things that won't be associated just to be safe. But you see, that's not really what it's about. It's about hyping up something that I think is not even dangerous or even there. It says, quote, there is no reason to think these findings would be exclusive to California. This sort of retrospective chart review will likely reveal the same findings across the country. Hospitalizations among children were already extremely low relative to adults. But the new figures cut the key coronavirus metric by nearly half and make the actual rates among kids even smaller. So explain for me how in the peak of the problem, it can be so it's it's so we already knew it was low, but this makes it even lower. And somehow now it's the eighth cause of death. Make sense of that for me. At a time when it's less dangerous. Now it says, quote, scientific and media reports, might obviously my point, you get the point. They're hyping the risk to children because they want kids to take these new shots. Why? Quote, scientific and media reports that inaccurately portray the risk of COVID-19 to children can do harm by alarming parents and providing justification for the ongoing restrictions to in-person education and other programming. Via these studies, parents and policymakers should be reassured that pediatric hospitalizations for COVID-19 disease are indeed rare, but they don't care. It's just like the video, again, we showed you right at the beginning. They're using fear to get you to do what they want. One study found that among 117 COVID-positive children hospitalized between May 2020 and February of 2021, 53 of them, 53, almost half, were unlikely to be caused by SARS-CoV-2, and the hospitalizations could be attributed to other medical factors, surgery, cancer treatment, various infections, among other diagnoses. You know, the cancer treatment that they told you wasn't happening during the pandemic. The study, 
conducted at a children's hospital in Northern California, also found that almost 40% of these patients were asymptomatic, which otherwise means they weren't sick. Guys, let's remember how this is translated to today. The data has now shown that there basically is no asymptomatic in this, in this discussion. Or at the very least, there are people that are not spreading anything. But on top of that, remember that just because someone has something in their body does not mean they're actually sick with it. People can have things pass through their body and, and that will show up on a test, but they won't actually develop symptoms at all, asymptomatic or otherwise. It says, while those patients may have tested positive for the virus due to the hospital's standard screening for everybody, no matter what, COVID-19 was not the reason for the hospitalization. Shocking. The other study, conducted from May 2020 to September 2020 at another large California children's hospital, found that 40% of the COVID-positive children who were hospitalized had an incidental diagnosis. While COVID-19 hospitalizations have remained low among children and may now even be lower than originally thought, children have faced other implications of the virus that have been unseen in adults, like multi-system inflammatory syndrome. Oh, you mean a category that means we don't know what's causing this? That's what that means, by the way. Easy to look up. MISC, MIS, uh, multi-system, in, uh, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in adults, A, MISA, are both complete unknown categories. They died and we don't know why. That's literally what that means. Or in, in the sense that they have, well, I'm thinking of SIDS and SADS. In this sense, it means that they have an inflammatory issue that we can't diagnose. Gee, maybe it's the thing that causes inflammation in your body that you're giving the population. <gasps> Shocking. It's been around from before this, and I still also think that there's a lot of things like vaccine side effects that have always been dumped in there that they don't want you to see, which has been found in roughly 3,700 children who previously had the virus. Again, so you're literally telling us they got a bunch of tests, they're told they had the virus, and they're just pretending that makes sense down here. How about half of those number right there probably didn't even have anything. And on top of that, another half of them probably had a common cold. They got re-diagnosed as COVID-19 or on and on and on. The point is they had multi-system inflammatory syndrome, most likely because they got an injection that caused damaging side effects long before COVID or during COVID-19. As of Tuesday, at least 600,000 children aged 12 to 15 have received their first dose. That's my point. Why can't we go? Maybe that number right there is because of that. No, no, can't think that. And all of this relates back to the idea that this is being caused by the injections. But let's take another step further. So this is May. Let's go to June. Johns Hopkins doctor Marty McCurry accuses the CDC of sitting on data to suit their narrative. It's where we still are. Dr. Marty McCurry of Johns Hopkins claimed the CDC, quote, sits on a lot of data. He also suggested the reason why the health organization holds back information is to better support their agenda. Why don't we listen when people say these things? He's from Johns Hopkins. Not that that means you should blindly trust him, but he's an insider. The headlines that were not broadcast by the CDC and the media did not cover was that no child in that entire study died of COVID, number one. So imagine that. You can have an entire long study where not a single kid dies of COVID, but magically today with a less dangerous thing, it's the eighth, it's the, the, in the top 10 causes of death for children. So we're being told. By the way, I love how CNN is... Oh, well, actually, I take that back. I was, I was thinking it's not new. But by the way, you have articles being put out today that do say this because it's being reported, as we just showed you in a new news report, saying it's a top 10 cause of death. This study is from January 30th in the beginning of the year. That's how they play these games. And even that study I just showed you is a misrepresentation of the data because it's plain as day. 15.6 million cases, 
1,642 deaths, both of which are guaranteed not exactly right, but even then, that's dramatically less than the flu. Again, in case you forgot, that is 0.01%, whereas the flu is 0.1%. Dramatically less. Goes on to say, he says, number one, not a single kid died in that study. Number two, the hospitalization rate was lower for COVID than it was for influenza. You'd think that would stop the focus on kids, but it wasn't about the facts. You see, the CDC sits on that data. So they knew that kids were at a lower risk than flu and they just didn't tell anybody. And by the way, why are we getting this data from February in June again? Because that's how they do this. With the heart swelling complications of over 300 kids, they had that data now for three weeks. Remember, they were giving kids this data when we can prove they knew that myocarditis was a very serious risk. They're still doing that. They're having their emergency meeting about it in a week and a half, which they went, they just rubber stamped. People resigned. His comments were made in reference to the CDC declaring an advisory panel will convene an emergency meeting on Friday to discuss reports of heart inflammation. You know, we got, we got censored for pointing that out, and now Fauci grudgingly admits it today. The CDC said 226 confirmed cases of myocarditis have been reported in people under 30. Think about how dumb this is. They, see, we, they were still calling it a heart swelling. They're called myocarditis. That's, we haven't even gotten into this at this point. Not really. Those of us that were unaware of the information had already started trying to call it out. There's a problem here. We see this growing. 226 confirmed cases. We, we can prove today they knew that wasn't true. Yet somehow they still exist. Somehow they're still giving shots that cause the same thing. It says, and we got the data on Friday on suicide rates up 50% earlier this year in February among teenage girls. Quote, we know why, he says. Why are we getting February data now when it's not actionable? We should have gotten it February. They're hiding this stuff because they don't want the repercussions. Hillary, or excuse me, Hilt, Hilton agreed with McCary. Quote, he added that, quote, instead of giving us the advice on the facts, the CDC create the story of a troubling rise in teenage hospitalizations in order to push the agenda of get your kids vaccinated. So they use the hospitalizations of, of girls committing suicide that has nothing to do with this to push the idea that they're in the hospital for COVID and trying to get you to take your injections. Hilton also stated, quote, they don't trust us with the truth. No wonder people are so suspicious. Well, how about this? They don't want to give you any information. It's not about not trusting you with the truth. Like somehow you're not going to understand the truth. They're blatantly lying to people. That's what this is about. McCary replied, the CDC and medical leadership in the U.S. fails people by, quote, ignoring natural immunity. So they've been quiet when schools and colleges are issuing these vaccine mandates, doing the insanity of insisting on a vaccine to immunize those already immune. While saying he is in favor of vaccines, McCary spoke out about a fanaticism that's being pushed in his eyes regarding vaccinations. He also said instead of the media and medical community stoking fears about the Delta variant, more data should be released about it. It's just incredible. Remember the Delta variant being what they came out and said, oh yeah, it's not stopping transmission. It never did. They never wanted it to. It never planned it. We proved that to you at the beginning and we got censored for it until that lady said it in the middle of the EU two years later and it was breaking news. But overall, Omicron did not change everything. It was already this way. They've used that as a narrative and lied about it again. Here's where it came out in the Wall Street Journal. And we still didn't care. July 19th. The flimsy evidence behind the CDC's push to vaccinate children. 
It says a tremendous number of government and private policies affecting kids are based on one number. Realize this is 2021. In the midst of the big, the year that was the problem, 335. That's it. That is how many children under 18 have died with a COVID diagnosis code on their medical record. Not even remotely the same thing as saying they died from COVID. That's according to the CDC. Yet the CDC, which employs 21,000 people at this time, hasn't researched each death to find out whether COVID was actually the cause or it was a pre-existing issue. You know why? Because they don't want to know. Without these data, he goes on, the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices decided in May that the benefits of two-dose vaccination outweigh the risks for all 12 to 15. We know that they knew that was a lie. Hear me on that again. We now know that they knew that was a lie. These things were dangerous. There was no benefit. It was less than the flu. We've been lied to about every piece of this. I've written hundreds of peer-reviewed studies, he says. And I can think of no journal editor who would accept the claim that 335 deaths resulted from a virus without data to indicate if the virus was incidental or causal and without an analysis of relevant risk factors like obesity. It says, our report found a mortality rate of zero, zero among children without pre-existing medical conditions. Healthy kids and whether they need two vaccine doses, oh, it just says that has implications for healthy kids and whether or not they need two or any injections, by the way. It says, how can they or anyone debate the issues without the data? Liars can do that, though. Sycophants and, and ideologues can do that. Meanwhile, we've already seen inflated COVID death numbers in the U.S. revised downward. It says, last month, Almeda County, California, reduced its COVID death toll in general by 25%. So now you got California getting caught lying about hospitalizations. you got California get caught lying, bloating their numbers in every possible way. And they told you that, re- that reflects the, probably the whole country. It says, after state public health officials insisted that deaths be attributed to COVID only if the virus was a direct or contributing factor. And suddenly the number gets dramatically reduced because they've been bloating the numbers with things they knew weren't related and then telling you it was an absolute number and you have to be arrested if you don't wear a mask. The CDC director, Walensky, claimed that vaccinating a million adolescent kids would prevent 200 hospitalizations and one death over four months. We already know that's not true. We literally showed you the British Medical Journal showing you that that was a lie, that the numbers are completely inversed. We've shown you the phase three data that showed you that in general it was more dangerous to begin with than not even taking it. Again, Walensky either didn't know all of this, which is terrifying, or knowingly lied to you, like the rest of them. Now, on a side note, as somebody pointed out, every single one of these directors has later gone on to work for the pharma companies. Which one is Walensky going to work through? I I can almost guarantee she will soon work for some kind of compromising company. The very kind of company that she's supposed to hold to account. Unless they are catching on that we're paying that much attention, and maybe that is the case. But everyone before... Gottlieb, all the rest of them are all working. Anyone in these positions of authority involved with the medical system are suddenly working for the companies they're supposed to hold accountable. It works the same in finance, by the way. There really is no regulatory system that seems this day. But it says, yeah, it would take a million adolescent kids to prevent 200 hospitalizations and one death. But we just showed you, by the way, from uh, um, Alex Bernson's information that that's I mean, right now, what they're literally telling you is one million shots to stop one death. And that's what she is still trying to pretend. Let's see where I keep losing my spot. That I mean, it's, they're publicly stating, how is that even possible? 
One million injections. Because their argument was safe and effective. No one gets hurt by this. But we now know that's ridiculously false. So the point is that, well, that's what he's really showing you is the 200,000 serious adverse events that they just didn't want you to know about. Unbelievable. He says, but the agency's COVID adolescent hospitalization report, like its death count, doesn't distinguish on the website whether a child is hospitalized for COVID or with COVID. You know, car accident and a test that says you're sick, you're positive, whether or not you ever get sick and you walk out of there the next day. That still goes down as a COVID hospitalization. They've admitted that a thousand times. The subsequent morbidity and mortality weekly report of that analysis reveals that 45.7%, quote, were hospitalized for reasons that might not have been primarily related to COVID. Almost half. (laughs) Hospitals routinely test patients being admitted for other complaints, even if there's no reason to suspect they even have COVID. An asymptomatic child who tests positive after being injured in a bicycle accident would be counted as a COVID hospitalization. It's right there. And asymptomatic, meaning they might not even be sick, if even have anything, it might be a false positive. The CDC may be also be undercapturing data on vaccine complications by design. The CDC's risk-benefit analysis for vaccinating all children used rates of complications extrapolated from the vaccine-adverse event reporting system. You know, back when they were still pointing at it, when they thought they could trick you with it. And now when suddenly, when it started getting real obvious, they go, we don't trust any of that. It's completely unverified. So why do you point at it when you want to make a point? Oops, known as VAERS, which contains raw self-reported data that is unverified and likely underreports adverse events. That's the real point. It's likely a fraction of the full picture, not the other way around. And they know that. That's what Harvard pointed out and the rest of the HHS when they did that study, 1% of the total. The CDC or the FDA should expeditiously assign doctors to research each of the thousands of vaccine complications reported to VAERS. Not only has the CDC refused to examine the possibility of a one-dose regimen for minors. I mean, that reminds me of that clip we just played going back to the thermarosol clip, right? Where they go, well, he goes, why don't you just make a single dose? If, that doesn't, if, you, if you can make them without thermarosol, which they said they could, if they make a single dose, why not do that? Well, you know, manufacturing and costs. Oh, I see. So you're willing to hurt some kids because, co- yes, that's the point. Same thing. They know that they could, they refused to even look to see whether it might have reduced the risk. Harvard epidemiologist Martin Koldroff told him, Martin, Martin McCary, that he was kicked off the board or the group, the advisory committee, simply for disagreeing. That's rubber stamp. He didn't do anything, to, he didn't break the law. He said, I disagree. This shouldn't be allowed. It's dangerous. You got to get out of here. Who's somebody that agrees that it's safe? Oh, come on. Now you're on the committee. The CDC's poor performance isn't limited to kids or vaccine safety. Early in the pandemic, the CDC left us flying blind by not reporting the medical conditions of those who died of COVID. Collecting this information early would have made it easier to protect nursing home residents and patients with renal failure or diabetes. It took until March 2021 for the CDC to report that 78% of COVID hospitalizations were among overweight or obese patients. Now, I, I, I disagree with the law, the why. I think it's because they, want, they didn't want you to see that this was a disease that was affecting people that were already sick, a disease that was affecting people that were already unhealthy, a disease that was not a risk to the vast majority of people, if it was even technically there. The CDC data on natural immunity rates is similarly disappointing. The CDC reports this measure in fragments on their website, but it's outdated, and some states are listed as having no data available. Think about how crazy that is. 
You're you're choosing to keep it completely sparse because you know that they're, in my opinion, we've proven that they know that it's better. The low priority given to this indicator is consistent with how public health officials have played down, in fact, ignored natural immunity in their drive to get you vaccinated. Given the tremendous resources of the CDC and the FDA, which together employ 39,000 people, these agencies ought to be able to report the stats needed to informed policy decisions. If the data are incomplete or flawed, so too will be the decisions. Probably a way to say, well, we did our best and we had limited information, so we can't be accountable. The vaccine's benefits may outweigh the risks, he says. I disagree, and I think he knows that now. Or whether he's part of the plot, probably not. The point is, that's not true. In fact, we can prove it's not true. He says, but the government shouldn't try to push conclusions based on faulty data. So however you think, is a, the point is, we know they lied. They tried to conflate it. Now, here is October 2021. COVID now a major cause of death in kids, but many parents remain hesitant. Think about the shift. Two articles in that year already came out saying we're being lied to. The data's wrong. They're hiding this. They're, fo- they're foraging that. <laughs> so they go, we don't want you writing anymore. Let's get somebody who's going to toe the line we like. And so they find, like, Adam, as Adam Guy writes an article saying the exact opposite of all of that. It says administration officials said they had purchased 65 million pediatric doses, 65 million, enough to vaccinate all 28 million children who would become eligible if the FDA approves the shots. See my point? They bought those because they knew this was they wouldn't buy those before it got approved. if They didn't know that it was going to be approved. They did, though. They bought enough for every child in the country. And then they approved it or authorized it at that point. For vaccinating kids, this is a lot of confusion stems from the fact that there are two medical arguments in favor of it. Both of them involve the slippery question of risk. (laughs) So stupid. If it ever come down to the idea of risk in any of the topic, it was like err on the side of caution, but not not this one. Vaccinating kids would reduce the overall spread of the virus, they say. But again, we already know that's not true in the sense of all the things we're talking about. In fact, on top of it, the injections actually increase their risk of getting it and spreading it. But it says children are at much lower risk of serious illness and death than adults. Right now, but apparently right now, it's a lie they're being told. Worse than ever. That's not even possible. But they appear to be just like just as likely to spread it, which again is not true. To many parents with doubts, however, the rationale sounds like experts asking them to risk their kids in order to protect somebody else. That is what they're doing. That's the herd immunity concept. The overall point, though, is that children were so at little risk of any of this, the point of vaccinating them was to protect you because you argued they were silent spreaders. It wasn't true. The second argument, which has gained strength with the spread of the Delta variant, that's important, and may prove more compelling to hesitant parents, is that amid a recent sharp rise in cases, the risks to kids are higher than had been first thought. That's what they're saying. How high? To put it in some context, in a typical year, the disease that kills most children in the U.S. is cancer, about 1,800 deaths, followed by heart disease, about 600. The CDC estimates that over the last two years, estimates, COVID-19 has killed 570 kids. Well, okay, even that number, though, when you look at where we are right now, is nothing in the real context. It's 0.01%. That's the full number to this point. But it says, even though this doesn't represent the same degree of death and hospitalization you're seeing in adults, it still represents a major cause of death. Does it, though? First of all, it doesn't. The number we just showed you is the real infection fatality rate they're trying to conflate with other things. But before we even get into other numbers, this is the CDC, March 18th, 2022. CDC reports fewer 
COVID pediatric deaths after, oops, data correction. The U.S. CDC reported 966,575 deaths from COVID on Friday after it corrected the data earlier this week. This, again, is 2022. Now, a year later, here they are going, oh, my God, they're going to die. It's gotten worse. And then we go, oops, they're wrong. They, over, they inflated the numbers. Shocking. Which reduced the death tallies in all age groups, including children. The health agency, in a statement to Reuters, said it made adjustments to its COVID data tracker, their mortality data, because the algorithm was accidentally counting deaths that weren't COVID-related. Oops. What a quirky mistake. No, you got caught lying is what it was, and you tried to change that. The adjustment results in the removal of 72,277 deaths previously reported across 26 states, including 416 pediatric deaths. Okay, let's quickly dance back. What are we saying here? 570, right? Turns out 416 of those were false. What do you know? The reduction cut the CDC's estimate of deaths in children by 24%. (laughs) Children accounted for about 19% of all COVID cases, but less than 0.26% of cases resulted in death, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Right. So, but we're still screaming that it's a big leading cause of death. Well, that got real quiet after that, but now they're floating it back again. But here's where we are today. Again, don't forget that the risk is actually completely low in reality based on the peer-reviewed science. For everybody, especially children, 0.0003%. Under 19. That's an infection fatality rate. Okay. But let's going back to the top 10 causes of death, right? Well, let's look at a few of those. Tuberculosis, right? One weird thing, I guess, that... WHO just spoke up, I guess, today saying that that was a new thing we have to focus on. So maybe that's their new weird focus. But it's weird that during the COVID pandemic, people made that point. The illusion of COVID pandemic that over millions of people died from tuberculosis. Why don't we care about that pandemic? <laughs> Good question. But now, since the, well, going back, it says the researchers found that in 2015, approximately 239,000 children died from tuberculosis. 239,000. Okay, so we're over here screaming about how this this 400 number of children, or in this case with the lie, 570, was enough to write articles about that we should be screaming about. And look, every kid matters. No one's saying their deaths don't matter. But in the context of what's actually worth being pointed out in a risk, or it's just a flu-like thing that we pretend we, that we ignore. How can you pretend? And we don't even talk about that. It's the, it says, of those 80%, 191,000 were under five years old. 191,000 five-year-old or younger children died in 2015. And it's, it's, it's respect. It's generally similar as you go forward to 2020. That we're going to ignore hundreds of thousands of children that die from TB, but pretend that 500 from this. It's because they were trying to hype the COVID risk for children. It's like the video we played in the beginning. It's using numbers to scare you. See, if you showed TB numbers and then showed COVID numbers, they would be like, what are we doing about TB? But they didn't want that. They want you to focus on COVID. So they show you that number out of context and say, children are dying. But it's not a risk. And in fact, those numbers aren't even real. How about can we, They showed you cancer, 1,800 cancer. Why don't we talk about that? It's a lot more than what we're pointing at now. Here's an interesting one. Flu death. I, I, had to, I wanted to make sure this was actually correct. This is very strange to me. Actually, it really reveals a much bigger lie. So during the most recent 10 flu seasons, the number of pediatric flu deaths in a season has ranged from one in 2020 to 199 in 2019 to 2020. 
Okay, so the year before the pandemic was 199 pediatric deaths. So we're, we're pro- right now we can prove to you something that is 0.1.2. They're arguing kills less than something that is 0.0003% risk because that's the real risk to children, 19 and younger, 0.0003%. But flu, which kills 0.1% or so, they're telling you it kills less? I mean, it doesn't make sense. So they're lying to us. But overall, you go forward to the next year, and then suddenly it's only one kid in all of 2020 dies from the flu? Right. This is Those numbers were folded over into COVID-19, as we all had told you. Here it is right from their own page. One in 2020. So... 198 or whatever it was that year, those are numbers they said were COVID-19 because we already showed you that. PIC was pneumonia, influenza, and COVID. And they used those numbers as one number for COVID. That's right on their website. I showed you a hundred times. That's how easy it is to lie with numbers. Now, in general, if you want to look further, here is the leading causes of death broken down with children. You know, And we're talking about things like car crashes, fire, gun violence, drug overdose. Way down here, you got chronic respiratory heart disease and all this. But realize what they're saying right there. This is per 100,000. Right now, what they're arguing is this translates to one in every 100,000 kids die from COVID. I can prove to you that's not true. But even then, I mean, that's dramatic. The bottom line is they're trying to hype this like something you should care about when at the end of the day, it's less concerning than almost every other problem we're seeing for kids. And overall, this one was interesting. This is the WHO in the same discussion, but it's only uh, five or older. Or no, less than five, excuse me, less than five, under five years old. What it shows you, yeah, zero zero to four. Acute lower respiratory infections in 2017, 766 deaths. Look at that. So you can, you have 766 children deaths in 2017 for just all lower respiratory infections. And yet you're going to tell me that 500, my point is that none of this makes any sense. We're being lied to. They're conflating and combining numbers. We're watching a massive illusion take place. And we should already know that. But I'm just trying to make sure you have the tools to prove it to other people. Now, where we're at, we're, we're already at three hours here. Unfortunately, I'm thinking, I, I didn't realize how late it was. I'm not going to be able to go much longer. So what I'm trying to think here, let's do this. I don't think, well, shoot. Let's get into this next and I'll decide what this is playing. So this is an important clip that I wanted to play that talks about, in a general sense, the fact that people have already been, like we've talked about, like people saw the opioid, you know, painkillers and dope sick and those different shows talking about the opioid crisis. Really the massive illusion that it was where the government allowed this and the Sackler family and all the rest got away with it. And the point was, the one of the main points that I write here, just like the opioid crisis was allowed due to willful ignorance and corruption and people died. This is important, taking them exactly as prescribed. This doctor you're about to hear admits pharmaceuticals are a leading cause of death in the United States, half of which are people taking them as prescribed. So it's amazing that we can debate about this injection when in reality, Big Pharma has been doing this as long as they've been around and they are hurting people. And it just, it's just such a big industry that nobody seems to care. My name is Peter Gertje. I'm a director of the Nordic Cochrane Center in Copenhagen and professor of research design and analysis at the University of Copenhagen. Two years ago, I found out that our prescription drugs are the third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer. 
Our drugs kill around 200,000 people in America every year. And half of these people die while they do what their doctors told them. So they die because of the side effects. The other half die because of errors. And it's often the doctors that make the errors because any drug may come with 20, 30, or 40 warnings, contraindications, precautions, and so on. No doctor in the world knows about all this. So they give patients drugs that they should not have given them, that interact dangerously with other drugs or food items or so on. How much have we talked about the vaccine overlap? Right. There's a reason they don't want to study these things, because they'll probably find a problem because all of these things interact in weird ways. So they just don't do the study and then go. But observationally, it looks like everyone's millions of people have gotten it. and We don't see any problem. That's because you ignore it all. And the media doesn't report on it. So you pretend that it shows no problem. I mean, this this is the reality. It's easy to prove. They hide these things from people. And then the patients die. That's the other half. So. Uh, the other thing I found out two years ago was that um, uh, much of what the drug industry does fulfills the criteria for organized crime in U.S. law. And they behave in many ways like the mafia does. They corrupt everyone they can corrupt. They have bought every type of person, even including ministers of health in some countries. So there is a huge amount of corruption or in every country, is the actual point, I would argue. In my country, for example, Denmark, we are regarded as having very little corruption. But yet we have thousands of doctors on industry payroll, although we are just 20,000 doctors. So this is an effective kind of corruption. The drug industry buys the professors first, then chiefs of department, then other chief physicians and so on. They don't buy junior doctors. So when several thousands are on industry payroll, it's really, really bad. And that's why I wrote my uh, book, uh, Deadly Medicines and Organized Crime, How Big Pharma Has Corrupted Healthcare. I hope to convince patients not to take so many drugs because so many die from the drugs they take. In my country, people take so many drugs that every single citizen can be in treatment with one and a half drugs from they are born till they die. This is incredible. And drugs are not that helpful. And uh, they kill very many of us. We know that. That's why drugs are the third major killer after heart disease and cancer. So what we need... Add to that that on top of that reality, and this is separate, in the United States, medical treatment which is different, like by a doctor, surgery is, the le is one of the leading causes of death. And that's not because of a big population. They love to try to make arguments about that. It's because we live in a very dangerous time, guys. And now on top of that, the medications they're giving for the things afterward are also that problem. In the coming years is to take far fewer drugs than what we do currently. If we did that and we were careful, then we could live longer and live better lives because drugs have many side effects and patients often don't realize that when they become worse that it could be a side effect of the drug which they continue taking because that's what their doctors tell them. So when I was a specialist in internal medicine, 
what I very often did was that I stopped a lot of drugs, particularly in elderly people, and it's, it's quite revealing to see a bedridden elderly person come into your ward, and when you stop the drugs, I mean, that person becomes many years younger. And see, this is one of the bigger points. They love to tell you the idea that because of the modern marvel of, you know, modern medicine, that people are living longer, and, you know, except right now, we're seeing a stark difference in that. In the United States, the life expectancy has plummeted. And it did for everybody for a little bit. And then the United States is just dramatic. And I think there's an obvious reason. We are more medicated than any country in the world. And we are seeing the repercussions of that. This thank you to inversionism again for this, for this image. And, uh, and uh, many of these drugs affect the brain. And old people tolerate that very, very badly. They fall, and when they break a hip, a quarter of them die. And for example, antidepressant drugs are used in more than 10% of our elderly. And um, uh, they seem to kill 3% of them every year. I mean, uh, if 100 old people take an antidepressant for one year, uh, 3% of them will die because they fall and break their hip. This is a huge death rate. So a lot of other drugs and antidepressants also make f people fall and kill them. Uh, and, and they may affect your uh, cognition, your memory and all these things. And then they interact in ways that we know almost nothing about. Uh, very many elderly, they, they take more than five drugs a day. And we actually don't know how these drugs interact with each other. What we do know is that all drugs have many effects in the body, and some of them interact also in their metabolism. Exactly. So that you can get a too high concentration of a drug if you take other drugs simultaneously. They know this. Maybe Mandy Cohen doesn't know that. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But they know that. And they're pushing them to take them all at the same time when they haven't tested any of them together. So we make a lot of harms that we don't even recognize. I have a pretty colorful collection of things people have called me during all these years. And sometimes journalists have asked me, why do you always look up controversy? And my reply is, I don't. Controversy looks me up. Isn't it's, Think about how embarrassing that is as a journalist who's supposed to be speaking truth to power. Why are you making things controversial? Why aren't you just towing the line like the rest of us? Because it's not popular to tell the truth in healthcare. You will get a lot of enemies because a lot of people make money on false premises, doctors and industry alike. And our drug regulators and our politicians, they are on board on this wagon. So uh, very few people are independent of money in healthcare, and uh, and of course I have uh, attacked uh, a lot of holy cows during my career, and people have screamed loudly. Uh, in a French journal, I was called a statistical masturbist because I showed with statistics that mammography screening didn't work and things like that. Um, and I was even accused of scientific misconduct by the Association of the Danish Pharmaceutical Industry, which was completely ludicrous. It was harassment 
from beginning to end. They came with vague arguments that we cannot recognize the conclusions in your study, and they could have come up with numbers and said, these numbers are wrong. They didn't do anything. It was only harassment. It lasted uh, 18 months, months, I think, the whole thing. And then when we were acquitted, I made sure that this nasty behavior was described in the British Medical Journal. Um, so after that, they haven't come so much after me, the Danish drug industry. And when my book about organized crime came out, they just lied about it, as they always do, that my examples were old, they went back 90 years and so on. But, you know, where I demonstrate that what the 10 biggest companies do is organized crime, uh, these examples, they were from within the last 10 to 15 years. That's not old examples. And the crimes have increased because when crime pays, you will have more crime. That's how capitalism works. Pretty damn interesting, right? That organized crime, just like Whitney Webb would tell you, right? Now, unfortunately, and I'm sorry to do this, guys, I do have to wrap. I'm not going to be able to get to Martin's video or David Martin's video, but I will, I will make you a promise that I'm going to do my best to get that out just by itself tomorrow because it deserve, it really does deserve its own focus. It's fantastic. And I'll try to include it tonight as well just in case you want to watch it. But I just, I think I started later than I realized, and I, I, have to, I don't have time to keep finishing this. But unfortunately, but, I, but we will get to it. I will tell you that. But to wrap up, here's this in general, so you can keep, you can see this graph. But I'm going to play this one part for you here, so you can see, and we'll get us end on this point right here. Where well, I'll do this first, and this is Retsep Levy pointing out that a study in preprint shows a well in well accepted in vitro cell line model that Pfizer vax inhibits accumulation of an embryo fetal hemoglobin isn't it globulin hemoglobin is that right it's weird i I guess maybe i've been mispronouncing it this whole time Hmm. anyway that you know in regard to blood critical to baby's development and pregnancy that's the point another study finds another effect directly on the development of children another concerning figure finding RE potential negative impact of our mRNA vax on pregnancy outcomes, which we're seeing everywhere. And they're telling you right now to give it to pregnant people. Give it to first, first and foremost. There's the link if you want to read it for yourself. Every single part of this seems to affect directly on the things that were, I mean, it, it's hard not to see that overlap, guys. Pregnancy, reproductive population. Lastly, here's Children's Health Defense. The CDC Advisory Committee. Recommends updated COVID vaccines for all Americans six months and up. 13, this is the one they just voted on, this new one. 13 of them said yes, one said no. Here's what he has to say. We'll go ahead and um, I will call on individuals to please vote. We'll start with Dr. Um, Bell. F. Bell, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Dr. Cotton? Meal Cotton, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Dr. Sineas? Sybil Sineas, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Dr. Lair? Jamie Lair, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Um, Dr. Paling? Kathy Paling, no conflict, yes. Thank you. Dr. Sanchez? Um, Pablo Sanchez, no conflict, uh, no. Thank you. Dr. Talbot? Dr. Talbot, no conflicts, yes. Thank you. Ms. McNally? No conflicts. Yeah. Brooks. Dr. Chen, as as proposed, 
Um, and with that, we will open up for um, uh, comments from our voting members. I do, I just wanna comment that we have extremely limited data on children and infants and other individuals. And I'm just, and so I think that needs to be made available then to, to, um, to the parents. And I also think that in certain circumstances, um, we do have to be concerned about potential side effects, especially in the, um, you know, in, in young adults and young adult males. And so I think all of that needs to be weighed. And so that's why I, I hesitate to make it just a universal recommendation. So just in case you missed that, we have extremely limited data on children and infants and other individuals. All but one votes yes on extremely limited data for something that they all tell you is less dangerous today. And even some of them were shaking their heads when he said this and made available to parents. But they're not doing that. They're pushing it on children. They're not hyping the risk to children again. Saying top, one of the top leading causes of death for children. It's amazing this can keep happening. They're pushing this regardless. They voted yes regardless. They don't have evidence. And we know based on the inferred evidence from before that it's already being shown to be deadly. We live in, it's a criminal effort here, guys. And I will tell you tomorrow, I will come back and, and go over this video from David Martin, which is very important, which goes over this exact point. The idea that this is a criminal organization and he brings the receipts and the reality being that this is about something that has gone from from the inception of the WHO to today. And we are watching this happen. So please tune in. We'll get back to it tomorrow. I apologize for that. I hate when I have to start mentioning it and I don't get to it. I intended to today, but just always stuff going on. But, you know, we're here almost every day, so we'll get back to it. But if you're out there watching this platform, guys, we need your support. We have we just had a great meeting. Courtney Scott and I are in regard to Pirate Stream and the point in general. But that we're gonna just so you know, we're gonna set something up so you guys can do that if you want to for a for a general so it's not conflated with, with T Lab stuff, which you know is I think it's important that we differentiate that for people that want to just support Pirate Stream. But in general, for T Lab discussion, we have a lot coming your way. We have and and, and very I, again within this month, I believe Taylor's just fine-tuning that last interview, which I can't wait to release to show all these ridiculous people acting like it's not going to happen. I don't even know why people would do that. It's going to be outstanding. It's an important interview. It's going to be like three hours long, and it's going to be coming out very soon. A lot of work going into that, a lot of time. We're, we're going to be talking. Mean, we're talking about some documentaries coming up, but in general, guys, if you like what we're doing, you believe in what we're doing, and you want to see this continue, you want to see this grow. As I said just the other day, if you're watching the show right now and you haven't already, if you can go to the website, go to the donation portal and sign up for $1 a month, a recurring donation of $1 a month that you never have to look at again, that you will never notice, will make all the difference to this platform. Like I said before, you get 1,000 people to do that. That's $1,000 a month that we can put into more writing, more projects. I mean, you know, I, I, not even, I never want to get into the information about what we're putting in, but the bottom line is, I mean, every single thing that comes in, go, we, we put out a lot every month. We pay a lot of money to the people that write everything. I, I take care of the people that work for us. And we, you know, it's important that I want them to want to write for The Last American Vagabond, and as well as the work we do and the people we find. It, it's all being put to use. So my point is, if we can get a little bit of an increase, we can grow out even more. Everything gets used. This is, I mean, 
some people would even right now in my, I can hear them in my mind that are people close to me would say, you got to start saving and put it inside. And my point is, you know, and we do need to try to do that. But I feel such a current urgent need to put out as much as possible, as often as possible, and grow as much as possible because I feel like every moment that we put this out, every moment we keep the work going and growing and reaching new people, we're saving lives. We're reaching people that will then change other people's minds. So that's my point is every cent comes in, goes immediately out to the work, and we will continue to do as much as we can. So help us out. Support the platform. We love you all, guys. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. How it gets to the point well, where think, things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you, and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again, right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And if anybody's interested in... What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. 
we're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out! Do not let your voices be silenced.